Hey, we're back here for another three-hour ride we call the Y'all Show. Hello there, I'm John Rawl. Welcome in to Talk with a Southern Accent. Got a busy show here today on Y'all, and we're going to be talking news from across the southeast. Sadly, a law enforcement officer in Memphis killed in the line of duty over the weekend. We'll report that here on today's Y'all Show. Good news, they caught that mass killer in South Carolina, a guy who had been on the run for several days. We'll give you the latest information on that on today's Y'all Show. Also, former NBA great and current Atlanta Hawks broadcaster Dominique Wilkins saying that he was profiled in an Atlanta area restaurant and denied a chance to eat there. We'll tell you what's going on with Neek in today's headlines from across the southeast. Also, a lot of people hitting the beach and a reminder, riptides can be very, very dangerous. And over the weekend, a lot of people had to be rescued while having a good day at the beach at Virginia Beach, Virginia. We'll tell you about that here on our headlines of today's show. Also, we'll tell you about how a woman in North Carolina bit by a snake and fell off a ladder. Oh, God. Talk about two scary things right there. We'll have that here on today's Y'all Show. When we move on from headlines today to sports, we'll give you the latest with the NBA playoffs. Also, a former Tiger is going to be a Tiger as an LSU starting quarterback announces they're going to be an Auburn Tiger. We'll tell you who that is and more in our sports headlines of this hour. Plus, there's some social justice going on at the University of Michigan. And how does that relate to the South? Well, there's a Southern connection, of course, and that's part of the reason I think that the folks there at the University of Michigan are considering a name change to a building there. And I'll tell you some Michigan Wolverine football history that connects to the South. And all that is will be shared with you here in our headlines this hour. Also, we've got hashtag hullabaloo here in this first hour of y'all and an update on some Southern politics as we have a new candidate for governor in the state of Maryland. We'll pass along that. Also, some state news of officiating bodies in various states making some headways with the political news. In fact, one story out of Alabama that has to do with yoga. Yoga, y'all. Yeah, we'll talk about yoga on today's Y'all Show. Namaste. Yes, all that coming up in our Southern Political Report later this hour. We'll scoot on over to hour two today, and we'll have some entertainment headlines to pass along. The Billboard Music Awards, I think, were just held, and I'll share with you the big winners from that and more information from across the media headlines, including some Willie Nelson news, all that in our entertainment headlines. Then we'll be joined by our barbecue barrister. This weekend marks the official beginning of grilling season as we have Memorial Day weekend, and that carries on throughout the summertime months. Of course, July 4th might be the epicenter of grilling in the country, but we'll kind of get a a first quarter underway with Memorial Day weekend. Matt Herman's is scheduled to be on our barrister, a bodacious barbecue, and we'll find out what's on the grill for this holiday weekend with the barrister. We'll also try to get a little college baseball report from him as he's a big baseball guy. All that from Matt Hermans, plus an update at y'all.com, what's on the pages of the homepage of the South. That'll be in hour two of today's Y'all Show. Then when we get to hour three, it's going to be so much fun. We'll have a look at sports headlines from across the region, plus the best state park in every U.S. state. Travel and Leisure has just come out with that. And we'll go through the list of the 16 southern states and tell you 
Again, the best state park in every state, according to Travel and Leisure. All that right here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. If you want to join the program, it's so easy. It's 803-816-1170. We have folks standing by to take your calls or text, and we'll pass along whatever you've got on your mind. And Maybe you've got a recommendation for the best state park in your state. If you want to share that with us and maybe override what Travel and Leisure came out with, Hey, we're all ears here, 803-816-1170. Our website is y'all.com, the homepage of the South. And, of course, you can go there and get the podcast edition of this show right there at the Y'all Show link at y'all.com. And if you miss us there, don't forget we're available on various podcast platforms. We're on the Apple Podcast app. We're also on the iHeartRadio app and tune in radio app and i think we're on stitcher i don't have stitcher in front of me right now but yeah i think we're, we got all those outlets covered it's y'all there's no excuse for you to not listen to us and be a part of the show whether you're listening to us on one of our great radio stations or you need to kind of put us aside for a little bit because you got things to do like uh maybe a little work today if you got to do that then yeah do the work and then come back and listen to the show catch up with everything going on in the south that's what we aim to do here at y'all please we please all you and we appreciate you tuning in on this tuesday edition all right let's look at headlines going on today and as i said an update from the upstate or mm, not technically up the sand hills we'll call it the sand hills of south carolina in chester county south carolina After a week-long manhunt for a suspect wanted in the killings of four people, that manhunt ended without another shot fired Monday as hundreds of officers surrounded this person on the lam in South Carolina. Neither Tyler Terry nor more than 300 officers searching for him were hurt during his arrest. This happened in Chester County. That's roughly halfway between Columbia, South Carolina, and Charlotte, North Carolina. The manhunt ended after at least three confirmed sightings of Terry since he went on the run after wrecking his car after firing on a Chester County set of deputies back on May 17th. Deputies released photos of Terry's arrest showing an officer giving him a bottle of a sports drink as he sat on a pickup tailgate with his hands cuffed behind him. Terry was wearing dirty pants, socks, no shoes, and a T-shirt ripped nearly in half. Investigators didn't think Terry was getting help from anyone who but broke into vehicles or possibly barns and sheds and lived off the land. He did manage to steal a gun, water, shirt, and shoes from an unlocked work truck last week, according to authorities. But this man, again, captured Monday in Chester County, South Carolina. He was hiding in weeds when a team of federal agents spotted him. He had a gun nearby but was grabbed before he could react. He was certainly ready to run, but he was surrounded, according to the Chester County Sheriff, Max Dorsey, the 26-year-old Terry, charged with murder and a shooting in York in South Carolina. And that happened in early May. And he killed in Great Falls, South Carolina, the estranged husband of the woman who drove the car as he fired at officers. And then he killed two people in Missouri on May 15th during robberies in the St. Louis suburbs. And after this multi-state chase, this man who's killed four people, or is alleged to have killed four people in the last couple of weeks, is now in custody. Tyler Terry arrested in Chester County, South Carolina. I know the people there certainly sleeping better and knowing that this guy's off the streets and hopefully will stay there for the rest of his life as he's 
now going to be charged with murdering four people. An update from Memphis. Sadly, a Memphis motorcycle officer killed over the weekend, and we mourn the loss of this hero there in blue as Officer Triplett there, Scotty Triplett at MPD, killed in the crash of in the line of duty this weekend on his motorcycle. His motor unit was in the traffic division, and they were doing a funeral escort, I think, on Saturday afternoon, and this was a police-approved escort on Saturday when he pulled a car pulled out in front of his motorcycle on Hickory Hill Road. And unfortunately, this 47-year-old who had had 27 years of service in the Memphis Police Department killed while leading this escort in Memphis, Tennessee. Aside from his expertise and mentorship, Officer Triplett was known for his sense of humor and upbeat personality, according to a person there with the motor division, actually from an adjoining county, DeSoto County, Mississippi. Deputy Greg Stack said, you never think it's going to be you. You never think it's going to be your friend. Fortunately, in this case, it was talking about how you saw this officer at escorts of funerals and such in the Memphis area, and it just was a tough loss there in the community of Memphis with this officer being killed while on patrol or doing an escort of a uh, it looks like a funeral over the weekend fallen motorcycle officer for the city of Memphis Scotty Triplett we remember his service to the Memphis area and beyond a man was killed and a police officer hospitalized all this in Adele Georgia in that's in South Georgia two officers from the Adele Police Department responding to a call about a stolen car on Saturday a man identified as Steve Newsom was in the passenger seat when the 31-year-old man got out of his car, he and the officers exchanged gunfire. According to Georgia Bureau of Investigation, Newsom, a man of who was from Adel, was struck multiple times but was able to run a short distance. The officers performed CPR until emergency officials arrived, but Newsom died at the scene. An autopsy will be performed on his body, but this man again killed in an exchange of gunfire with officers from the Adel, Georgia police department and that happened over the weekend some good news for parents moderna the vaccine that's out there one of the three major vaccine moderna says it's covid19 shot works in kids as young as 12 years old with global vaccine supplies really tight around the country much of the world struggling to vaccinate adults in the quest to end the pandemic but now moderna aims to be the next drug of choice for the young folks of the land, saying it will submit its teen data to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and other global regulators early next month. The company studied more than 3,700 12- to 17-year-olds, and its findings show the vaccine triggered the same signs of immune production in kids as it does in adults and the same kind of temporary side effects such as sore arms, headache, and fatigue. There were no COVID-19 diagnoses in those given two doses of the Moderna vaccine compared with four cases among kids given dummy shots. The company said the vaccine appeared to be 93% effective two weeks after the first dose. Again, this is the Moderna vaccine for young kids out there, kids as young as 12 years old. So some welcome news on the vaccine front. And I had the Moderna vaccine and, yeah, it does definitely cause a little discomfort in your arm after you get that shot for a day or two. And a lot of people were warning me that you're going to 
get more sick after the second dose than you will the first dose. And for me, I did start to feel some temperature type changes in my body. I, I never quite got the chills, but I could I could feel them coming on. And I had sweats for two nights. Not nothing too bad. Nothing like you get when it's when you're really sick, but enough to where I wanted to change my sheets. So yeah, that's one. One of the things that happens to me, at least, when I get a, a temperature, I'm sure most of us are, if you're human, you know what I'm talking about. But it wasn't as bad as I thought, at least not so far. And I've still got two more days, two more days until yours truly is what's called fully vaccinated, where I've gone through the two-week period after getting that second Moderna shot. And and then I can come up and give everybody a good old kiss on the mouth, if you'd like. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we can start living life perhaps normal in fact this past weekend i went to a child's birthday party roughly 35 people in one room no social distancing people having a good time and i went out to eat after that at a fairly crowded restaurant no distancing no mask and it was just like the good old days of 2019 all over again and it was kind of a welcome sign and at least so far me and everybody else I ran into have gone through the last couple of days without incident. So let's just hope that all of us can get back to where we were once having a good time and not having to worry about things like virus outbreaks. One immediate sign of how we've all had masks on and social distance over the last 15, 16 months is a massive decrease in the flu. In fact, in Fayette County, Kentucky, only three flu cases have been reported there during the 2020-21 flu season. An amazing stat, likely duplicated around the Southland. And you won't hear any complaints coming from the Lexington-Fayette County, Kentucky Health Department. As they say there, science is in play. A man named Kevin Hall works for the Lexington-Fayette County, Kentucky Health Department. Hall, who handles communications there, said that the enormous decline in the number of flu cases during this unofficial 2021 flu season during the season before the pandemic in 19 and 20 years 19 and 20 Lexington Kentucky recorded 742 lab confirmed cases of the flu and three fatalities and now this year thanks to unfortunately the coronavirus but because of that the number of flu cases in Lexington Kentucky went all the way down to just 3 that's right, three, where they had had 742 reported just the year before and three deaths, three cases, period. Again, likely duplicated in just about every corner of the country, frankly. And we know the flu can be pretty bad. I mean, usually if you get the flu and it's the, the good dose of the flu you might get, you're going to be out of work, you're going to be out of school, it's going to cause ear infections, strep, you're going to have high temperatures. It's not going to be a pretty thing for about a week to two weeks. And luckily, that's one good good byproduct, if you will, of the coronavirus. And how we've been handling that is the fact that the normal flu that we are used to seeing this time of year has pretty much been wiped out. Again, in a pretty big town in the south, Lexington, Kentucky, right now only three cases reported here during this flu season that's great also likely a lot of people got their flu shot not just the coronavirus shot the vaccine but you got your flu shot likely as well and that helps out 
a lot of people plan on going to the beach here this Memorial Day weekend. A lot of people have their beach plans. They weren't able to go out and do something last summer and get the kiddies and get in the car and go on the nice long trip to the beach of your choice. Well, this year, beaches are going to be full all across the southeast from Ocean City in Maryland down along the Atlantic coast past Myrtle Beach all the way to Jekyll Island and all of the Florida beaches on the Atlantic side, then working its way around the Gulf side of Florida, Clearwater, and more. And then, of course, the Panhandle with Panama City and 30A, Destin, going to Orange Beach, Gulf Shores, Dolphin Island. Some of you might be brave enough to go out to Ship Island in Mississippi and get that boat ride out there. You might be able to even go to the one beach Louisiana has or certainly Galveston in Texas or South Padre. All of our southern beaches are going to be booming for the next couple of months, and that's a great thing. That's an awesome thing. But let me remind you, since it's been a little while, since some of you might have gone out in the surf, watch out for riptides. In fact, lifeguards in Virginia Beach, Virginia, this past weekend had to rescue dozens of people from rip currents going on there at Virginia Beach. More than 75 people pulled from the water. On Sunday alone, the chief of the Virginia Beach Life Saving Service, Tom Gill, said it was an unusually busy weekend for May, and actually 260 people were pulled throughout all of last summer. Remember, a lot of people didn't go to the beach, but 260 in the entire summer of 2020, and then this just past one day in Virginia Beach, you had 75 people pulled from the water now a storm over the atlantic prompted a high risk warning for rip currents along the virginia north carolina coast red flags popping up along many hampton roads beaches and this man gill urging people to talk to lifeguards if they see a red flag on the beach but you got to be careful one of the things i need to do here on the y'all show is tell you what you need to do if you're caught up in a rip current along especially the atlantic coast those seem to be a little bit more dangerous than the Gulf Coast, but yeah, just one of the problems we have of going to the beach, and I was explaining this to someone over the weekend, from what I know, and maybe we need to have a lifeguard on here to tell us what you need to do if you get caught up in a rip current, I think you swim parallel to the shoreline, I think is how you get out of those things, we'll need to tell you, because look, you don't have to be in a whole lot of water for those things to affect you, and you know, they can kill you, we've seen famous people in Hollywood die out in the Pacific, because of rip currents. So very, very good information to pass along. Good news from Virginia Beach that with 75 people being pulled from the water on this one day alone, no drownings. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. We need no drownings. We just need to be aware of what to do if a rip current comes your way. How about to Florida and a Casey Anthony update? A woman spills drink on this woman who was accused of killing her youngster and the big trial that ensued some 15 years ago now, I think, 10, 15 years ago. Woman spills a drink on Casey Anthony during a heated argument over X at a bar in Florida. Casey Anthony back in the news, and she's the one telling the story. This happened at the O'Shea's Irish Pub in West Palm Beach. The West Palm Police Department called to O'Shea's on Sunday. Anthony said she got into a heated argument at this West Palm Beach bar leading to drinks being spilled. Police say Anthony told them that she got into a verbal argument with a woman named Thelma Moya. Anthony said she and Moya were arguing about an ex-boyfriend they had been dating at the same time. 
According to the report, Casey Anthony told police when the argument got heated, Moya spilled water on her leg and she wanted the incident documented. The report notes a woman who called authorities said she had drinks thrown in her face. Police say they let Casey Anthony know how to file a restraining order, but that Anthony replied the issue had been going ongoing and that she did not want to file at the time. Must be one heck of a guy they had balancing two people. How would you like to be in a relationship with Casey Anthony? And 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 maybe how would you like to be in a relationship with Thelma Moya and the two of them finding out about you? How do you think they're each going to react to knowing about now that they were hanging out with you at the same time and and now they're if they're throwing drinks at each other? They're likely going to go bananas on you. Yeah, Casey Anthony was involved in that case of her youngster, Kaylee, who died in 2008 in the Orlando area. And Casey Anthony, Casey Anthony is now 35 years old. Of course, going to trial for the death of Kaylee, her daughter, who was found dead remains found in 2008 when that happened and then the trial ensued which was a big deal back in July of 2011 the prosecution sought the death penalty against Casey Anthony and she somehow was not found guilty and has been living her life still in Florida where she was in jail for a time and I don't know if she's allowed to leave the state or not but yeah that was a obviously a massive story Ten years ago, can you believe that, Casey Anthony? But now Casey Anthony not in the news for allegedly killing her kid, but spilling water and having water spilled on her. All right, can't we all just get along to quote another famous case? Atlanta Hawks legend Dominique Wilkins is accusing an Atlanta-area restaurant of racism. Yeah, Dominique, the former Georgia Bulldog and Atlanta Hawks star and an NBA Hall of Famer, He says there's no doubt that when he went inside to a restaurant, a swanky French restaurant in the Buckhead area, La Bibliothèque, went in there. He was turned away from eating there, despite a lot of tables open at this Atlanta eatery. And Wilkins said, I don't care what people say or how they try to dress it up as as far as a policy. It was racism, period. I know what it looks like. I know what it smells like. And that's what it was. Now, the one place, this Atlanta restaurant, a French restaurant, first claimed, I don't think they had room, then they claimed that they didn't like the way Dominique Wilkins was dressed, that they have a dress code, and it's posted near the hostess stand inside the business. And the restaurant manager of this French restaurant says there's no racism involved. This has been a story that's been picked up by some news outlets, especially around Atlanta, but... How could you turn away, even if the guy comes in with a T-shirt and a ball cap on? It's one of Atlanta's most famous people. And my God, he's nearly seven feet tall, maybe even taller than that. You're going to know the guy's probably an NBA player, Dominique Wilkins, the most famous Atlanta Hawk ever in Atlanta. It's not like he went to a place like uh, Dahlonega or somewhere where he may not be quite as noticeable, but he went. He went right there in his home area, Atlanta, to Buckhead, for goodness sake. And Le Bilboquet 
refused to seat him and Dominique out now talking about it and not a very happy camper. He's ready to slam dunk this place if given a chance. Lastly, from Mooresville, North Carolina, a woman there recovering from a fall off a ladder and she fell off the ladder. Goodness Lord, I feel sorry for this lady, Heather Lee Noble. She fell off the ladder because a snake bit her while she was up there on that ladder. She was trimming hedges outside the front door of her Mooresville home and a non-venomous black racer. See, I know a lot of people think snakes are harmless, but even a black racer can nearly kill you, not from the venom, but from scaring the you-know-what out of you. And sadly for Heatherly, 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 her name's Heatherly Noble. I've never seen that for a first name. Heatherly Noble. She was very noble in trying to recover from this thing, but yeah, a black racer bit her. And she fell off this ladder. She said she didn't realize what caused the pain in her right hand at first, but looked down to see the snake rising up out of the bushes like some sort of demon. (laughs) Footage from a home security camera shows the snake lunged at Miss Noble, causing her to fall and avoid a second bite. When I stepped off the ladder, unfortunately, I was four feet up and stepped back into thin air, she told a local TV station that she has a bruised tailbone, a torn ACL, and a pretty shattered ego. I can imagine that, but luckily she's getting a good laugh now, even though she's got some injuries. But one more thing to worry about, black racers, especially when you're up on ladders and you're trimming and and making your yard so pretty, you got to worry about a black racer coming after you, and this was caught on camera. I have not seen the footage of this yet, but, yeah, watch out for them black racers and and. It reminds me of a story more than 20 years ago. I had a couple of good old boys living in the neighborhood I was in, and and I wasn't from that area. And they just thought I was a city slicker, even though, trust me, I've never really been a city slicker. But these guys were more country than me. I'll give them credit on that one. And one of these guys had a farm, and they'd gone out bush hogging or something. And they decided it would be the funniest thing when I got home from work and and I didn't have my light on because it was the summertime. So I got home probably around 8 o'clock where there's a little bit of sunlight left. Basically, I was coming home at dusk. And these idiots thought it would be so funny to put a, a snake they'd killed while bush hogging. I guess the bush hog got a hold of it. They thought it would be so funny to put that on my doorstep. So I come home from work, and I'm getting my keys out to open the door. And I look down. And I'm like, what, what, what kind of string is that? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, Holy Toledo, that's a snake. And it didn't move. I realized it might not be alive. And I think out of the corner, these two idiots come laughing their tail off. They thought it was so funny having a dead snake on my doorstep. I don't think that's funny at all. And I would never even pull that on my worst enemies because I'm not a fan of snakes, not even a fan of black racers, to be honest with you. They're kind of creepy. And you know what? My hatred of snakes comes from the good old book of Genesis. (laughs) I think we all have a pretty good reason not to be the biggest snake fans in the world. And, and uh, I know some snake lovers out there are probably thinking, Oh man, snakes just have a bad reputation. Yeah, they do. It's called the book of Genesis. And I stand by that y'all. Hey, we've got more fun coming your way on the other side of this timeout. We'll take a look at some of the Southern sports headlines. This is y'all talk with a Southern accent on this Tuesday. Woo, look out for them black racers.
We don't like to go out shopping. We don't care what's on sale. We just want to sit with a bag full of chips watching the NFL. When you come over at halftime and say, does this dress fit too tight? We just look you in the eye with a big fat lie and say, uh-uh, looks just right. Well, that's the truth about men. Yeah, that's the truth about us. We like to hunt and golf on our days off. Scratch and spit and cuss. And no matter what line we hand you, when we come dragging in, we ain't wrong, we ain't sorry, and it's probably gonna happen again. I'm sorry, ladies. There's a lot of truth in that song, The Truth About Men. Yeah, we do like those guys scratch and spit, doing a little cussing to you. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. Looking at some sports headlines on this Tuesday edition of the Southeast and some big news in the SEC as a former LSU starting quarterback is now going to switch Tigers. Not switching divisions, though. Former starting quarterback T.J. Finley announcing that he will transfer to the Auburn Tigers. And he announced this decision Monday with a video posted on social media. T.J. Finley started five games last season as a freshman for the Bayou Bengals, passing for 941 yards, five touchdowns, had five interceptions. And now he's going to move over to the Plains of Auburn. And he'll have to take on, assuming he has a chance to be the quarterback for the LSU, for the Auburn Tigers, and their new coaching regime there, taking over for the Gus Bus, Brian Harson, I think's his name, former Boise State coach, and now he's got a possible new starting quarterback on the Plains with T.J. Finley. Finley was benched for the final two games in favor of Max Johnson. He was competing with Johnson and Miles Brennan during the spring, but now deciding that he wants to go try to fill the shoes of the Auburn Tigers. Now, Auburn's got a quarterback in Bo Nix who will be likely the starting quarterback in, what is it going to be, year number three for Bo Nix? But they're looking at options. And Brian Harson, the Harson regime now on the Plains and having a guy coming in who's been the starter for an SEC power. LSU, not quite as powerful in 2020 as compared to 2019, but T.J. Finley getting a chance to come in and be the Auburn Tigers starting quarterback, War Eagle to Mr. Finley. You're going to have to start going around hating Alabama, which you should be kind of used to if you're an LSU person at least. And, and of course, there with the Iron Bowl coming up soon, T.J. Finley, who is from Ponchatoula. So he's leaving his native state. He was a quarterback there for Ponchatoula High School right there in Strawberry Country. And that's in Hammond, or just outside of Hammond, and that area of the North Shore of Louisiana. But Finley now scooting on over through Mississippi into Alabama, where he'll be on the plains getting a chance to be the quarterback for the Auburn Tigers. A former Texas A&M Aggie receiver, Cameron Buckley, is heading out of College Station, and he's going to the bright lights of Bloomington. He'll be the Indiana Hoosiers' eighth incoming transfer this offseason. Now, Buckley graduated from A&M back in December, and he'll be eligible immediately. 
He's a six foot two, one hundred ninety pound Texas native. Played in thirty nine games for Jimbo Fisher. Made four starts. Caught sixty two passes for eight hundred and seventy seven yards and four touchdowns during his career in Aggieland. However, he missed all of twenty twenty with an injury. So he's going to be looking for that final hoorah this time for the Hoosiers out of the Big Ten. His best season for A&M was back in 2018 when he had 34 receptions for 474 yards and a touchdown. He is now, the, as I said, the eighth player to transfer to IU since the end of last season. Tom Allen in a news release saying, Cam has caught a lot of footballs and made a lot of big-time plays in the SEC. He brings experience and leadership to the wide receiver room. We're excited about the playmaking ability he adds to our offense. The Indiana Hoosiers begin their season September 4th against the Iowa Hawkeyes. But one SEC defection here. Cameron is heading on out of Aggieland. Cameron Buckley to be a Hoosier. We wish him the best. Now to some wokeness. Y'all ready for some woke news to get your Tuesday up and going the right way? Yeah. The University of Michigan is considering renaming their hockey arena. Now, why am I talking about a hockey arena in darn Ann Arbor, Michigan on the Y'all Show? Well, of course, it has a connection to the South, as the hockey arena is named in honor of Fielding Yost, who was a longtime administrator and football coach at the University of Michigan. Yost spent 40 years in Ann Arbor as either the athletic director or football coach. His teams won 83% of their games, the best mark in Michigan's school history. A lot better than a guy named Harbaugh is doing there with the maize and blue why is fielding Yost's name in the news now? Well, again, they're looking to be woke there at Ann Arbor. And the main reason they're coming against him is that after World War II, Yost refused to let a guy named Willis Ward play against Georgia Tech, then a member of the SEC, because Georgia Tech did not want this black player playing against them. And that decision, actually this was before World War II, um, 1934 was the year. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, uh, Michigan fans tuning in. This is going back to the first year of the SEC, now that I think about it, 1934, which I think Tech was a member in the first year. Anyway, Tech didn't want to play a black guy, so the coach did not have him play. This angered a teammate on the Michigan football team, a guy named Gerald Ford. Yeah, that Gerald Ford. And so now, because of that decision, a committee is looking to possibly rename the building there, the Ice Hockey Arena for the Wolverines that's currently named after Fielding Yost. Now, more on Fielding Yost. He was born in 1871 in West Virginia, Fairview, West Virginia, which just a decade before was actually in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Remember, there was a civil war within West, what became West Virginia, and essentially the the Union went to war against the Confederacy because they didn't want to have secession but they wanted to have West Virginia break off from Virginia. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Well, that's what happened. And oddly enough, Fielding Yost's father was a Confederate soldier in the Civil War. This guy grew up in the ashes of the Civil War in the late 19th century, got involved in football playing at West Virginia back in the 1890s, then went on to be a coach. He coached at Nebraska, at Kansas, at Stanford, He even coached the San Jose Spartans in 1900. Then he became the head coach at Michigan and was the head coach at Michigan 
for most of the first quarter of the 20th century before becoming the athletic director until 1940. He died in 1946. But a guy, again, with a connection to the Southeast, Fielding Yost, and now the University of Michigan, which, by the way, he's the one that came up with the whole Michigan because of his West Virginia drawl. He's the one that referred to UM as Michigan, and, and now a lot of people call Michigan Michigan if you if you keep up with all that on especially ESPN. I think Chris Fowler is the one that is more responsible for that. Let's talk about some NFL news. Julio Jones, former Alabama stud, wide receiver for the Falcons, he says he's out of there in reference to playing for the Atlanta Falcons in 2021. I think he told his fellow wide receiver of NFL yesteryear, Shannon Sharp, this. I think that's where this was first announced. And Julio Jones, yeah, reacting to Shannon Sharp on the FS1 show, Undisputed, Julio Jones saying Monday that he's going to leave Atlanta during this FS1 Undisputed show with Shannon Sharp. Now, he's been the subject of trade talks recently. All this comes as general manager Terry Fontenot has taken over for Thomas Dimitrov of the Falcons. A lot of changes, new head coach and more. The 32-year-old wideout requesting a trade from the Falcons at the beginning of the offseason, but the organization there and the ATL trying to protect him and work quietly behind the scenes to keep him. But the Falcons preferring not to trade Julio Jones in the NFC, but would do so for the right price. I think I've been told that the Falcons are looking for a first-round pick in exchange for trading J.J., who is out of Fairhope, Alabama, if my memory is correct, somewhere on the eastern shore before going on to be a great player for the Crimson Tide. He's wanting to leave Atlanta, so where will he end up? We'll find out. But, yes, some NFL news and notes in the offseason here is I think some of the teams have already had their OTAs and such. An update on the NBA and the NBA scores from Monday. The Bucks take a 2-0 series lead over the Heat with a 132-98 thumping of Miami on Monday evening. And then in the nightcap, the Denver Nuggets evened up their series with Portland. Nuggets 128, Trailblazers 109. On the hard court on this Tuesday, as the playoffs round one continue, you have on this Tuesday the Celtics and Nets. Boston leads that series. This will be game two taking place at Barclays in Brooklyn. Lakers and Suns, game two from Phoenix Suns Arena. And the Suns have that 1-0 lead over the Lakers. Mavs and Clippers get together at Staples Center as Dallas leads that series 1-0. And that's what's on the NBA hard court here on this Tuesday. we got more good stuff coming your way after the break. Stay tuned. Y'all will continue. We're going to have a brief hashtag hullabaloo before switching over later this hour to talk a little Southern politics. All right here on the show covering everything Southern and Dixon.
Well, we've hit that special spot of the Y'all Show. It's hashtag Hullabaloo for a Tuesday. This is our social media spotlight where we go on to y'all.com or our Facebook page for y'all.com. Yeah, that's right. Go there and like us and follow us, y'all.com on Facebook. And we also find stuff on the Twitter sphere and more. And we find interesting stuff and pass along to you on what we call hashtag Hullabaloo. And we encourage you to go there and share info with us. You can email us fun stuff too. If you see something on social media or you want to make up something, mail at y'all.com is our email address. M-A-I-L at Y-A-L-L dot com. And we're going to pick up on a subject we talked about at the end of last week. So I was talking about old photos if you were tuning in last week. Old photos, why do we not have as many old photos of our great-great-grandpappy and grandma, uh, our triple-great-grandpappy? You might have one or two, but do you have all of them? Probably not. And my question was, was that because it was just too expensive back then to get those kind of photos? Were our relatives of yesteryear cheap? Is that what it was? And we discovered that the cost of taking a photo was not exactly that expensive. Maybe the the real hard cost of the photo was not expensive. Perhaps the photographers were ripping people off back in the 19th century like a lot of them do these days. Yeah, that's right. You heard me there, wedding photographers. <laughs> yeah, and so perhaps that's why we don't have as many photos of our our ancestors as we would like to have. So that got me thinking about money and yesteryear and more. And thanks to countryliving.com, I found this article out on social media. What things cost 100 years ago? Price check on aisle 1921. Are y'all ready to learn about what things cost 100 years ago, according to this article? A half gallon of milk in 1921, that sets you back 33 cents. That'd be about $4.25 in today's world. So that was the price of a little milk back then. Yeah, just 33 cents. I think that's a pretty good bargain when you went down to your local Dollar General in 1921. Just kidding. I don't think those existed back then. That's just one example of the cost of something in 1920. Gasoline. Hey, we're likely going to have gasoline at $100 a gallon pretty soon. But gasoline in 1921, a gallon of gas cost you $0.30 cents back then. And that's an equivalent of three eighty-seven per gallon now. Some of us already have gas prices right there today so yeah how about a gas a gallon costing you 30 cents some of the places last year were down below a dollar and that was pretty cool speaking of gas and cars a new car back in 1921 cost 525 dollars and that's about a new car worth right around seven thousand dollars today now what happened there that cars cost so much more than they did back then when they were really a novelty and it was a neat thing to have. A meal would cost you around twenty back in back in nineteen twenty one. Cost you about seventy cents for a good meal. How about a vacuum cleaner, which was a real luxury at that time? The newest and hottest vacuum on the market, the Hoover Electric Cleaner, would cost you about thirty nine dollars. So that's one thing that has drastically gone down in price vacuum cleaner that $39 is the equivalent of $503 today yeah I believe I would have just been using my broom and use that to clean up around the house a washing machine back in 1921 
that would have cost you around 81 bucks over a thousand dollars for a washing machine so yeah i've been sweeping the floors with a broom and i would have been taking my clothes to the crick for a little cleaning that's just how i would have done it back in 1921 i don't know about you and lastly a movie ticket a movie ticket back in 1921 when you went to go see the talkies I don't even know if they had talking films in 1921. I know they were all black and white. I can tell you that. there. Uh, sepia may be more like it, the actual color, but a ticket for a movie cost you 15 cents, which is $1.93 in today's prices. And we know that's a price that's definitely gone up since 1921. That uh, ticket today, average cost of a movie ticket, $9.16. Woo! It's a lot more than what it was in 1921. And that's, again, an article up at countryliving.com. What things cost 100 years ago. Check it out. We've got a look at Southern politics right after the break here on the Y'all Show. Stay tuned. News from various state legislators around the Southeast. All that and more here on Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American. up this first hour of talking about everything southern here on y'all with a quick look at some political news from around the southland the fbi investigating a suspicious package filled with a white powder and bearing an image threatening violence and that arrived at Rand paul's bowling green kentucky home on monday on the outside of the envelope was a picture of a bruised and bandaged Rand paul with a gun to his head and a threat printed beneath it i'll finish what your neighbor started you MF, a copy of the image obtained by media outlets. Yes. Remember, it was Rand Paul's neighbor there in Bowling Green that <laughs> they got in a, 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 a really dangerous scuffle some two years ago that Rand Paul ended up being hospitalized and more. And now Rand Paul in the news again for a suspicious package delivered to his Kentucky home with white powder and a violent profane message on it to texas and texas is now poised to allow unlicensed carrying of handguns the legislature in austin approved the measure and now it's going to governor greg abbott's desk and it will become the latest state to make open carry the rule i guess the the law of the land the republican dominated legislature approving this monday and Greg Abbott has said he will sign it despite the objections of law enforcement groups who say it would endanger the public and police. Gun control groups opposing the measure, noting the state's recent history of mass shootings. But Texas already has some of the loosest gun laws in the country and has more than a million point six handgun license owners. But 
Again, it looks like Texas is going to allow unlicensed, unlicensed UN, that's right, I said unlicensed carrying of handguns in the state of Texas here any day now. That will become law. Tennessee is moving to the forefront with anti-transgender laws. Conservative lawmakers introducing a flurry of anti-LGBTQ bills in the Senate and State House in Nashville. No state political leaders have gone further than Tennessee in enacting law targeting transgender people. That, according to the Associated Press, lawmakers passed and Governor Bill Lee signed five new bills into law in Nashville. And those dismiss concerns, and they're consistently dismissing concerns that discriminate against an already vulnerable population. So that is why Tennessee now coming under scrutiny, and you're likely going to try to see more and more organizations to try to protest, boycott the volunteer state because of these anti-transgender laws now being passed in the state of Tennessee. Of course, everything here gets challenged in a court. So just because it might be a law doesn't mean it's actually being enforced even in the state of Tennessee. How about this story from Montgomery, Alabama is lifting its ban on yoga in public schools, but you can't chant and use namaste as a greeting. That is still forbidden in the heart of Dixie. Yeah, Alabama lifting a three-decade-old ban on yoga being taught in public schools. And the CDC says yoga can help pupils de-stress and concentrate. But lifting this ban, again, you can't say namaste. That salute is forbidden. The state's education department banned the ancient form of meditation and exercise some 30 years ago over fears it could spread Hinduism, the religion that yoga emerged from. The bill lifting the ban was introduced by Democratic State Representative Jeremy Gray. It means that K-12 through students in schools in Alabama can now choose to take yoga classes, though local school boards can still choose to maintain the ban. Kay Ivey said, she's the governor, that a number of restrictions on how it was taught should be imposed as... We're going to have a chance to yoga it up in Alabama now if you want to have your kitty learn that. Just don't say that the N-word. Namaste. (laughs) A former attorney general in Maryland, Douglas Gansler, he's a Democrat. He he announced his launch for a bid for governor in Maryland, and he's got a policy of progressivism that he wants to enact, including the fact that he announced – on Monday that he says it's time Maryland legalize and tax marijuana. He's a two-term attorney general who served eight years as Montgomery County's state attorney. He lost the 2014 gubernatorial primary to then-Lieutenant Governor Anthony Brown. But again, guy running for governor in Maryland in 2022, Douglas Gansler putting his hat in the ring for Maryland's top executive. And lastly... Joe Biden, how his cash paid for Florida GOP's pet education products project. What is this all about? The legislature in Tallahassee facing an education budget crisis at the start of the 2021 legislative session back in March, with lawmakers considering slashing K through 12 budgets and increasing tuition at Florida's public university. Florida had a three billion dollar budget shortfall, but the Biden administration's $1.9 trillion federal stimulus 
change Florida's budget situation and help the state's biggest name Republicans achieve their personal policy goals. And now because of the Biden administration's surge of cash, if you will, it will help the Florida GOP's pet education products projects in the state of Florida. You can go to politico.com and get more of how this story and how this measure is changing education across the state of Florida. A lot of places getting a big-time boost of money as Florida schools have nearly $1.2 billion in elementary and secondary school emergency relief dollars at their disposal now. A lot of money, a lot of money. I'll tell you what, we've got a whole other hour of talking about the South coming your way here on the Y'all Show, so don't miss out on the fun. Stay where you are. Hour two, we got the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue stopping by with a report on Q and college baseball. What a combo. That plus an update at y'all.com. What is on the homepage of the South? We'll tell you all about it as talk with a Southern accent rolls on. Trucking, baby. Trucking my brood away, yeah. Second day of the work week. We're into the second hour of the second day of the work week. Hello, I'm John Rawl, and this is y'all where we accentuate the South. It's talk with a Southern accent. I'm John, and glad to have you aboard. We're going to have a great hour here. We got Matt Herwins, the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, coming on. We've got a very big day on the calendar on Monday. It is Memorial Day 2021, and it is the day where we not only pay honor to our heroes who've died in the service of our country. It's also unofficially the start of grilling season around the land, and Matt Hermans will be on to give us a good idea of what to do on Memorial Day 2021 in terms of barbecue and cooking up good stuff, all that in the next segment of Y'all. Plus, we'll get Mr. Hermans' take on college baseball as you've got teams suiting up as we speak. The SEC baseball tournament being held starting today in Hoover, Alabama, and then more conference baseball going on throughout the the tournaments, at least going on throughout the week. And we'll get Matt's take on that right here on the Y'all Show, all here in our number two, 803-816-1170 is how you can catch up with us here at Y'all. Text that number anytime and share with us your Southern goings on. Let's look at some entertainment news to get this second hour up and going and the billboard music awards held we've got the list of winners did your favorite person win well we'll let you know the top new artist at the billboard music awards never heard of this person pop smoke pop smoke beat out country music's gabby barrett also beat out jack harlow and rod wave as the top new artist the top artist is The Weeknd, which is a misspelling. It's W-E-E-K-N-D. <laughs> hey, Week Week N-D is, I'll, I'll call it. And The Weeknd topped Drake, Juice, W-R-L-D, whoever the heck that is. And they also outlasted Pop Smoke, old Pop Smoke, doing pretty good in Billboard world. Also beat out someone named Taylor Swift for the top artist at the Billboard Music Awards of 2021, which were held Sunday. The weekend led with wins in 10 categories, by the way, including top artists. And I'll tell you if they won top male artist here in a second. 
more awards from the Billboard Music Awards. Top female artist. Hey, Taylor Swift, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania's own. She won top female artist over Billie Eilish, Ariana Grande, Dua Lipa, and Megan the Stallion. Top female goes to Taylor Swift, the Hendersonville native via Pennsylvania. Top duo or group? I need to start learning some of these non-country people. BTS wins top duo or group at the Billboard Music Awards, beating a band I think I've heard of, ACDC. Also beat out AJR, whoever the heck that is. Beat out Maroon 5 and Dan plus Shay, also known as Dan and Shay. Beat them out for the top duo and group award. Your Billboard Top 200 artist. The nominees are Drake, Juice World, Pop Smoke, Post Malone, and Taylor Swift. That award went to Taylor Swift. The Hot 100 artist is The Weeknd. Your top streaming song artist goes to a Canadian, Drake, getting that one. Beating out Da Baby, Little Baby, Pop Smoke, and The Weeknd. Your top song sales artist, BTS, beat out Justin Bieber in that category. Also beat out country music's outcast right now, Morgan Wallen. I was actually surprised to see he was even nominated the way things have gone for him lately. Top radio songs artist, The Weeknd won that one. Top social artist, this is fan voted, BTS. I'm going to have to Google BTS here and tell you who that is. Top R&B artist was The Weeknd. Why in the world would they have R&B as a category when they don't have any other specific to format type option they don't have a country they don't have a rock they don't have a bluegrass but they got r&b why, why is that the case top r&b artist the weekend wins that so i told you i was gonna look up bts not blt bts not bte which is better than ezra i remember that band this bts is a boy band Perhaps I know now why I haven't heard of them too much. They're from South Korea. The Bangtan Boys. South Korean boy band. I apologize, y'all. I haven't been keeping up with my South Korean boy bands of late. BTS, seven-member South Korean boy band that formed in 2010 and debuted in 2013 with Big Hit Entertainment. Let's see what I can tell you in terms of their music, what they've been doing on the charts because they... They must be beloved. They've had a lot of success and eight years of being on the charts. BTS. Discography. Here we go. Singles. What do we know about BTS on the charts? In America, at least, they have No More Dream. That came out back in 2013. Sold 45,000 here an American from the album Too Cool for School. I missed that one somehow. And here of late, BTS continues to do extremely well. Their songs of late here in this country include worldwide, which includes the United States, a whole bunch of number ones. And give them credit. Film Out, that's been out this year. That sold a lot. They also have really hit it big with Dynamite. Dynamite out 
around the world from this South Korean boy band. We need a good couple of new boy bands to give these guys. And they don't have any gals. It's a boy band. Ooh, they're not diverse. They better change that there in South Korea. We have a new American Idol winner. And this winner comes to us from California. As Chase Beckham is your new season 19 winner of American Idol. And he beat out Grace Kinsler and Willie Spence. Those were the final three contestants on Sunday's Nailbiter. Georgia boy Ryan Seacrest announced during the first hour of the season 19 finale, I can tell you it's very close at the moment. You can't assume your favorite is safe. Ultimately, Beckham wins and his career now taking off big time. This California kid. A judges there, Katy Perry, Alabama's own Lionel Richie, Georgia's own Luke Bryan there for the American Idol 19th season. That's been on way too long, in my opinion. It's time it's time for some of these shows like that to go away. And imagine in 20 years what these shows have done for a May delivering artist standpoint. Frankly, most of our major artists now come from the award shows, not war, these reality shows, competitions. Miranda Lambert got her start there. Carrie Underwood, of course. I'm, I'm mostly talking about country people, but lots and lots and lots of people have come through that, although I shouldn't be too critical. One of my favorite bands in country music got their start, got their fame on a reality competition show. That would be Sawyer Brown as they were on the old Ed McMahon-hosted uh, Star Search back in the mid-'80s. Yeah, so there you have some information about that. Let's tell you about Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson's Outlaw Music Festival Tour is going to return. How about the 88-year-old Texan who lives most of his time in Hawaii these days? He'll be on the road again, and he's going to have some great friends joining him. Willie announced Monday that he's going to revive his popular Outlaw Music Festival tour, and it starts in the capital of Texas, Austin, August 22nd. It'll have 14 dates ending up in Wheatland, California, October 24th. Willie Nelson will be joined by Chris Stapleton, Sturgill Simpson, the Avett Brothers, Nathaniel Rateliff, and the Night Sweats, Government Mule, Lucinda Williams, Ryan Bingham, Margot Price, Yola, Ida May, and Kathleen Edwards, all on the Outlaw Music Festival Tour with Willie as the headliner. It launched originally back in 2016 in Joe Biden's hometown of Scranton, and it sells out big time. The Willie Nelson Outlaw Festival. And if I had the list of all the dates, I'd tell you, I don't see... Okay, pre-sale tickets for the festival dates starting May 25th. That is today, 10 a.m. Let's find out if we can click this, where the heck these festivals, where all they're going to be. Because y'all want to know, right? Don't you want to know where Willie, doesn't he look great on that new FedEx commercial, by the way? I think so. All right, let's see here. Austin, Texas, August 22nd. He'll be in the great town of Guilford, New Hampshire, September 10th. Philadelphia at the Mann Center on September 11th. 
New York, Saratoga, to be specific, September 12th. Virginia Beach, Virginia on September 17th. They'll be in Raleigh, North Carolina at the Coastal Credit Union Music Park on September 18th. He'll be in Charlotte on the 19th at PNC Music Pavilion. That's where this Outlaw Festival tour with all these artists will be. And the ATL at Ameris Bank Amphitheater on Wednesday, September 22nd. I think a lot of people will be taking off Wednesday and Thursday there in Atlanta for that. On Friday, September 24th in Columbia, Maryland at the Meriwether Post Pavilion. October 15th in Phoenix. October 16th, Irvine, California at the Five Point Amphitheater. San Diego. Ben, you can go see them here. Cal Coast Credit Union Amphitheater. October 17th, Mountain View, California, October 23rd. And lastly, as I told you, Wheatland is the last stop of this October 24th there in Wheatland at Toyota Amphitheater. It's the Willie Nelson Outlaw Music Festival Tour with several dates there scheduled, 14 dates, starting in Austin, ending in California. Some Garth Brooks news. Garth is earning the Kennedy Center Honor. And he'll be honored alongside Dick Van Dyke, Debbie Allen, Joan Baez, and Midori. He'll be among the 43rd class of Kennedy Center honorees. Congratulations to Garth. The Kennedy Center honors awarded each year to those in various performing arts field for their lifetime of contributions to American culture. And he, a very deserving honor for this superstar of not just country music, but the Yukon, Oklahoma native known throughout the world for his music and his just golly gee, golly gee GB style, Garth Brooks. Yeah, and yet I see a picture he put out on social media of his wife, Tricia, sticking the rainbow-colored Kennedy Center Honor ribbon around his neck. So I guess they've already partially presented this to him. And Garth Brooks getting that honor. I remember a couple of years ago, Merle Haggard got a similar honor and. That was during the Obama years. It was pretty funny to see Barack Obama singing along to Merle Haggard. And frankly, I don't think he knew most of the words if you go back and check that video out. But Garth Brooks, your latest Kennedy Center honoree. When the Y'all Show is returning after this break, we'll bring on the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, Matt Hermans. It's talk with a southern accent. Don't miss out on the fun. Oh, get those hunger pains ready. Woo, it's going to be tough with Matt talking Q and Memorial Day weekend.
lot of us going to get a party on this weekend. I know it is an important weekend to remember those who have lost their lives in service to the country and our great American heroes. But we also use this holiday weekend that's upon us to have a good meal or two or three. And if you look at the calendar, it may not say it, but according to our barbecue barrister, this is one of those kickoff weekends for grilling on the calendar. And we've got Matt Herman's, our bodacious barrister of barbecue, on with us right now. And y'all talk with a Southern accent with General John Rawl, CSA, certified Southern American. And we got another CSA on to talk grilling and more. Happy Memorial Day weekend and Memorial Day weekend grilling to you, barbecue barrister. Well, I'm saluting you, General. First of all, <laughs> and, uh, you can't see me, but I am. So, uh, yeah, how are you? It's uh, it is that time of year to say the least. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to roll. Well, I know you are an expert on grilling. We love that, and that means you not only have all the tricks of the trade when it comes to getting something on the grill, you also know a lot about grills. Period. You actually represented grill manufacturers. I have seen you in action trying to twist people's arms into buying a grill. I, I've been impressed yeah. by that. I was. Uh, I did do that for a period of time in, in a in a in a past life, and uh, wasn't a very good arm twister. So I just like to feed people. So I figured that was my best uh, best advertisement. You know, just feed them and uh, and go from there. One thing I think you used to do. I never saw it. I guess you you made me come to the ones that were not quite as sexy, but didn't you sometimes cook stuff on the grill and give it away samples? Absolutely, okay. that was one of the one of the I was one of the people you see occasionally if you're at your local hardware store on a Saturday or a Sunday maybe, and you see somebody out there cooking and giving away samples and talking about grills and smokers. Uh, yeah, I did that for a period of time. That's what I sure. thought before moving over to your big role now of. Barrister, oh, yeah. barrister of bodacious barbecue That's right an article out courtesy of your good friends at nbc news i know you tune in every day for that coverage every but day. they've got an article out that i wanted to ask you about memorial day sales on grills and smokers is it a common thing that manufacturers and your hardware stores put grills on sale this week oh yeah this is um this is one of those <clears throat> this is one of those weekends you know um that people are just, you know, in, in, in the, in the South, you know, we've been grilling for a while. I mean, it's the end of May at this point. So, uh, you know, it's been grilling season since, uh, <laughs> since March, since maybe February for some people, but, uh, for the country and maybe, maybe up in the Northern portions, maybe in your, your Appalachian areas and maybe your, uh, Kentucky or so, you're just starting to get into that, that time where you got to get outside, the sun's out, it's getting warm and you got to get going. And this is kind of the way it is throughout the country at this point. So yeah, this is a huge weekend for sales, a huge weekend to try to get a deal. Um, there's all kinds of different things going on. This is, this is a big weekend for sure. Well, according again, I'll, I'll give them the credit. According to NBC, here are some of the deals on sale this week. It looks like nationwide check out your local option to make sure this is indeed in play but according to this article again memorial day sales on grills and smokers some of your memorial day 2021 grill sales ace hardware discounts on electric grills charcoal cookers and more what's the difference between a what they call a charcoal cooker and an electric grill i know it sounds 
I know that sounds pretty dumb to ask you that, but that's why we have you on here. Is, is there a big difference? Huge difference, huge difference. Um, uh, charcoal, well, the word charcoal cooker is, is pretty, um, I don't say vague, but it, it's all encompassing, right? You could have a, um, a charcoal type water smoker. You could have a charcoal direct feed um, quasi smoker, quasi grill. You could have a charcoal grill. Um, so anything burning charcoal, I guess they would call it a, a charcoal cooker. Uh, but essentially the, the gist of it is that you're using charcoal to provide your heat source, period. And that's what you use to cook with, um, whether indirectly or directly. And then, of course, an electric grill, that's just something that has a um, an electric heating element. Think about your, um, this may be, <laughs> I don't know how they do this anymore, but if you think about when you were younger, um, the electric range stovetop that your mom or your grandmother had in the kitchen that turns bright red when you when you turn it on. That's essentially an electric grill. It's a it's a heating element that you plug in and it provides it gets hot that way and then you put meat on it and cook it directly on the grill. So totally different. Totally totally different um in every way, shape, or form. All right. Again, that is a good option there. Now Matt, I want to ask you about this particular outlet. I've never heard of it. I have heard of Ashley Madison. But I've not heard of a- AJ Madison. <laughs> I haven't heard of either one, John. Oh, yeah, sure you haven't. Put yeah, me on record. Sure. AJ Madison must be some kind of outlet available in some places around the country, not for mm-hmm. for uh, bad stuff, but for good stuff. And they yeah. have discounts on freestanding and built-in grills this week. So what is a built-in grill? Yeah, so a built-in grill – so this is this would be the difference. We talk about a freestanding grill. That's something. I mean, that's ninety percent of what we're talking about. You go, you see the grill. It's got your little storage area underneath. It's got the propane tank on the side. Um, it's got your grilling area. It's got the the plates where you have the the valves to to control the heat, and it's got the lid. It's a freestanding grill. It's on wheels usually, or if you got a charcoal cooker, some of them are a little bit more simple. You just have a stand, and then you have your your kettle on top with the charcoal. That's a freestanding grill. That's what that's what we think of when you talk about a built-in. This is um this is something that is it is made for like an outdoor kitchen. People call it an outdoor kitchen or a, a built-in type of, of area outside where you, you, you essentially have a, um, a specifically dedicated space that's been built for the grill. And a lot of times people have a sink out there as well and have plumbing to it. Basically you have a built-in section of a, of an outdoor kitchen where you just need to put a grill into. Now, of course, you can't just roll up a freestanding grill and shove it in there. You've got to have something that's made specifically for it. So basically what it is is the top part of your grill, and then it doesn't have the guts on the bottom. It's just it's set up to where you can hook it into propane lines and things underneath. So it's basically just the um, the guts of a grill that you can sink into one of these outdoor kitchens, and it, it's usually custom installed by somebody who, who knows what they're doing. So that's a built-in. It's it's um it's made for that type of situation. All right. Again, this is available a discount on freestanding and built-in grills from AJ Madison. And for giving us such great information, barbecue barrister Matt Hermans, we're going to send you a little gift certificate to Ashley Madison. You put that good to use? Yeah. Um, no. I'm gonna, I'll probably, uh, what, what is it called? A re-gift? <laughs> yeah, you're going to re-gift it back to me. Huh? Uh, okay. 
Right. Let me tell you about this organization because first I got to give them mad props. They're out of Baton Rouge. Mike Hackley founded barbecueguys.com back in 1998. He's an Air Force veteran, and he and his wife, Ladina, helped start this in Bar- in Baton Rouge. BBQguys.com is the website. And there at that site, they have some very good Memorial Day weekend specials, up to 60% off built-in grills, freestanding grills. There's that word again, and a whole lot more at barbecue guys what do you know about this site it's pretty cool um anytime i see something that's, that's specifically dedicated to grilling and to uh, to barbecue um you know it's it's very cool so and and you know baton rouge that's right smack dab in our in our strike zone in our region here so <laughs> i like that uh, you know so i love it I, I like you know i hate to i bring this bell before and i'll keep bringing it um it's always really, really good if you have a chance to go to a, a locally owned business like that. Like you explained at the outset, these are two, two local folks um, who are uh, who have a business, who are, are part of the community and connected to it. So I always like to encourage people, whether it's buying meat or whether it's uh, buying grills, maybe getting grills installed. Um, go with a local place that has ties to the community if you can. It's always better to do that. So um, I, I hope the, I hope they I hope they absolutely uh, clean up here this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, this company out of Baton Rouge, mostly an online op- option now, bbqguys.com. In fact, I just went there to their website and get this, since I couldn't get you the Ashley Madison thing, too excited about that one. At bbqguys.com, if you sign up, all you got to do is plug in your email address. They right now have a $7,500 luxury grill giveaway. Enter to win an alfresco alxe 36 inch gas grill are you telling me there's a grill that costs seventy five hundred dollars oh yeah yeah you can uh i'm sorry i was i was busy signing up i apologize for that <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's a, yeah you can get up you can you can get up there with a particularly a stainless steel um gas grill i mean they get $7,500 is expensive, but um, you, you can certainly get up there and even go past that if you really want to. There, uh, There's some Cadillacs out there. What's the most expensive grill? Well, that's one of them. It, and it's it's hard to say, like, the most expensive brand. Um, I don't want to – so the reason you get up into that expensive range is you start adding – it starts to be a custom job. So you start having it – um, installed, like we talked about before, you start having a top of the line grill installed in an outdoor kitchen. Then you start adding, um, you can add pots and, and gas burners to the side of it. You can add multiple levels. You can add, um, all kinds of different things. That's what really gets it up there. There's several brands that are premium, but really when you start tacking on the, the, um, the amount of money you're going to spend is when you start customizing it to add it into an outdoor kitchen. You start adding different elements to it, and you can do that with several different brands. But that's that's how you get up there into the uh, you know high four digit range. All right. Well, thank you for that. I had no idea that a grill could cost more than a car. Absolutely. All right. And sometimes sometimes a lot more useful depending on what kind of car. <laughs> All right, just a quick look over at bbqguys.com, which they don't sponsor this show in this segment, but they ought to. They got gas grills, pellet grills, Kamado grills, charcoal grills, and barbecue smokers, amongst all kinds of other options. Check it out. It's, it's sort of like Matt Herman's porn, if you will. 
<laughs> That's the theme for today. I'm feeling risque, John. I'm yeah. Risque. I mean, look, I don't think too many people get divorces over grills. Uh, maybe girls, but not grills. <laughs> but yeah, check that out. Barbecueguys.com. Let's move over to another place that I know you just love. And they've got up to 25% off of grills and grilling accessories going on this week. Bed, Bath, and Beyond. Yeah, Bed, Bath, and Beyond is one of, is one of these places that has all the um, gadgets, right? The gadgets that you would – that's what I think of when I think of Bed, Bath, and Beyond. You, you see stuff on TV and you see advertisements for things and you think, man, that, that's kind of cool or I don't know. I wonder if that would be worth ordering. Well, Bed Bath & Beyond probably has that that gadget. Um, so, um, well, give me an idea of, what you're talking about when you say gadget. Give me an example. Yeah, so when you so all the all the things you see on TV, um, all the, the the advertised products. You know, I used to be a um, which is tough to um, tough to confess, but I used to watch infomercials just for entertainment purposes. And uh, <laughs> So a lot of the things you see, I never actually ordered anything, but yeah, uh, sure. I I, uh, I always find them entertaining. Um, but anyway, the point is, if you see something on TV from an infomercial or a little commercial that's that's looks cool and great, and it says, "Oh, you can only get it on TV. You got to order it right now." Well, Bed Bath Me On probably has those products. They pretty much that's that's one of the things they do. Sell all the little um, the new uh, seen on TV type stuff. So any grilling gadget that you see, and there's a lot of them. You can probably find that at Bed Bath Beyond. You can actually look at it and uh, instead of ordering it over the phone. So um, that's pretty cool. Matt, since we're so close to you and we can learn so much from you, is there an, a gadget you highly recommend that you maybe have seen on a commercial that Bed Bath & Beyond has, a gadget that actually is quite useful? Well, that's the thing. Some some are, some aren't. So. You know, I'm, I don't want to say I'm an expert on uh, on these little these little things, but um, so let me give you an example. I'll just I'll just stay general. I don't yeah. want to. Well, uh, I'm, I'm the general, so stay general. That's right. I'll be the colonel. I will. Uh, I will not poo poo anybody's anybody's product. I will say this. This is an example of a gadget that is that is not terribly useful. There used to be a um, a spatula that included a um, a temperature gauge in it. So in other words, you Basically, the idea is you're going to scoop your meat up or your burger or whatever, and you let it sit on the spatula for a minute. It gives you a temperature reading. Um, that That's not necessarily a good gadget. It just doesn't work. Um, I don't know if they still make those. They did uh, very, fairly recently. But you got heat coming in from the bottom of the grill, and you got to hold it there and let the meat cool off, and it's not terribly accurate. That, that looks cool on TV. It's like, oh, man, look at this. I can flip the meat. Tell me the temperature reading. Flop it back down. I'm good to go. doesn't really work. There are other gadgets that are that are pretty cool, um, and there are several different kinds. But there are there are little fans, for instance. And this this really doesn't have anything to do with grilling, but it has more to do with barbecue and, and smoking low and slow. There are little fans that you can um, you can attach to the the charcoal or wood burning portion of your smoker that will monitor the temperature of your fire, and it will actually turn the fan on or shut the fan off according to the temperature you want to cook at, which is they're actually pretty effective, um, and um, and that's pretty cool. So there's a nice example of something that does work, and there's something that doesn't work, um, and uh, I'm sure there's all kinds of things in between. Yep. All right, one more retailer, national retailer, that looks like has some kind of special going on this week for Memorial Day in terms of grilling. Home Depot out of Atlanta, 
up to 40% off grills with free delivery on grills $399 and up. That's a deal. Three, and, and people might be surprised, but you, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a grill that's not $399 and up. Uh, so that's probably um, most of their selection, to be honest with you. Uh, that's that's just um, that's the nature of the market now. You can find a you can find a grill. You can find a charcoal grill, for instance, that's uh, cheaper than that. And you can find a, you know, a lower end type of gas grill um, for less than that. But most everything at this point is is going to be over three ninety nine for anything decent. So that's that's most of their inventory. So it's a heck of a deal. You're going to have a you're going to have a pretty decent selection at most Home Depots as well. You're going to have uh, upper range grills. You can spend you know up to a couple thousand dollars on a grill at Home Depot if you want, or you can uh, go down to three ninety nine. But uh, you're going to have a decent selection, and uh, that free delivery is 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 kind of a bigger deal than you think, particularly assembly. That's something to keep an eye on. A lot of times you'll buy a grill, and they'll say, "All right, that sounds great. Let me load you up," and then it's a big box. <laughs> you gotta you gotta bust out the drill. Uh, so, uh, that's another thing to keep in mind, pre-assembly and pre-delivery. It's a big deal. And you're a guy who's made a lot of these grills in your past. Any big tip that you can provide for those who are getting that delivery of a grill, but it comes in a big box. Well, I would say, you know, get your time machine, go back and get somebody to assemble it. Oh, really? uh, You, you encourage that. If you can't do that, if you don't have a, a DeLorean lying around, then I would say, you know, follow the directions. There's, uh, you know, nothing worse than getting everything put together and you've got a bolt that's supposed to hold the uh, the grill, the grates in place, and that's not there. And then you have to take the grill box off and do all this. I've done all this. I've been there. Um, <laughs> and so I've made these mistakes. So follow those instructions. Don't over tighten anything um, because you can occasionally you can bend some of these. It's very easy, especially with a power drill to to kind of bend or crease or dent some of the uh, the elements of your your gas grill and it's just it's never gonna look right but beyond not looking right um you know if you have a crack or something in the paint or the porcelain on the outside of a grill then you're inviting the, the rust monster in so i would say follow the directions and be very careful not to slam bolts in and over tighten because you can you can really mess something up if i had you on the clock and you had one of these brand new grills in a box how long would it take you to complete grill we talking 2021 or are we talking 2007? 2007. Uh, <laughs> when you were doing this every day. Yeah, I was fast. I'd say probably 10 minutes. 10 I, minutes I per grill? That's still a long time. That's still a long well, time for somebody to have. That tells me you hadn't put one together, John. I have never. I'm not a handyman. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm not even a good griller. That's why we have you on here to help us out. Check this out. The article is up at msn.com. And you can learn, again, again about all the Memorial Day sales on grills around the country. Check out your local retailer. If I told you Home Depot has this, you might want to double-check your local Home Depot store to make sure they're, in fact, honoring what I just told you about and all the other places we said. But it is a good time to get a grill if you don't have one. And with some places offering free delivery, not just to save you some money. A lot of people don't have the space in their car to put a big old grill. So having that free delivery will sure come in handy for a lot of you across the southeast we have more with our barbecue barrister when we come back after this quick timeout, we're going to have him stop by again on the y'all show and we'll have him talk a little college baseball you got baseball tournaments around college baseball this week and then 
The NCAA postseason begins next week. We'll get his quick take on college baseball. After this break, it's Matt Hermans, and he's on The Y'all Show. We're back on y'all talking about all things Southern. We're going to talk a little college baseball with the college conferences around the land having their conference tournaments for the most part here this weekend, this Memorial Day weekend. We're back here on y'all with John Roll talking with Matt Hermans, our barrister of barbecue, is also our barrister of college baseball, SEC, ACC, Big 12, and more, all getting ready for the NCAA postseason. Matt, what do you think about how teams are stacking up, getting ready for what really matters next week and their invitation to the NCAA tournament? I think you're getting close to kind of having a pretty good idea. Um, I think you got a pretty good idea of the 64 teams, but um, there are a few bubble teams that are trying to get in and who really need to um, – really need to do something here in their conference tournament. A lot of times, you know, you've, you've played a lot of games in college baseball. You have conference winners, you know, people have already won, teams that have already won the conference. And then you just have some absolute shoe-ins um, that have been great the whole year. But you do have some bubble teams. I think that's what's interesting right now is, you, is, is the bubble teams trying to get into the field is, is what I find to be interesting. Because conference tournaments, you know, the way I look at it is uh, it's fun. Um, it's a really good time because people, uh, they're getting tuned up for the postseason. And honestly, you have the inter- intra-conference um, rivalries and stuff like that, which is exciting. But the real conference winners are the ones that have that have shown up and, and had the best record throughout the course of the year. I think everybody understands that. So, But yeah, bubble teams, got to win. Matt, we've had one big news story out of the SEC this week. I don't think one team punching their ticket to – that postseason will be the Texas A&M Aggies. A change there in College Station. Tell us what happened. Yeah, um, Coach Childress is out, um, and I've been following this a little bit myself because the coaching, um, the coaching situation can could affect, you know, maybe my alma mater. Uh, probably not the school I went to, where I went to grad school. But there are different. Um, the, different the, scenarios. The alma mater yeah. that we just played their fight song there for. Yeah, I recognize that song. Yeah, you good... should. <laughs> so, That'd be the Red Raiders, y'all. That's right. That's right. So it has, has affected, potentially affected um, that situation because they've been on the lookout and there have been several targets. So anyway, Coach Childress has been at AM for a long time. They have had some success. Um, I do not believe they have. A, a conference, a college, me, a, a college World Series win. I think they they have made the College World Series over his long tenure. Not a lot, um, but just making it is is an accomplishment. There's no not going to denigrate that. It's very hard to get to the Conference World Series, and they've done that. They just haven't had any success there. And the trajectory for Coach Childress at A and M has been down. It has it has been steadily moving downward. The recruiting has been low end of the SEC. 
um, the last few years. If you if you watch uh, the recruiting um, pundits out there for college baseball, and this year was just abysmal, just just crushed. Um, and so, you know, Texas A and M does not want to be left behind. You're talking about the SEC West, which is the strongest baseball division in the country and it's it's not even close uh, you've got arkansas you've got mississippi state you've got Ole miss um you got lsu down this year but lsu is a perennial power um and then you have texas a&m sitting there um with <laughs> at the bottom of the barrel and texas a&m is one of these schools they have an enormous amount of resources they have endless endless buckets of money to do anything they want um there are a lot of reasons for that but they have an incredible amount of money and so they believe that they should be a lot better than they were and uh, they weren't so uh, coach childress out um and the coaching search has kind of hovered around a couple of other texas coaches Jim Schlossnagel at TCU was contacted. Uh, that's pretty common knowledge at this point. And he decided to stay in TCU. That's a great program there in Fort Worth. Um, perennial uh, College World Series contenders there. And then I, from from the 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 word was from people who know A and M baseball that Tim Tadlock at Texas Tech was the actually the the number one um, choice, and there was an offer uh, made to him for a lot of money. Um, but Tim Tadlock is a Texas Tech alum. He's, uh, he's got deep ties to Lubbock, and he actually just signed a lifetime contract <laughs> with Texas Tech. Um, so, Wreck him. You know, it was one of those things, right, it was one of those things that I think Kirby Hoka, who's the uh, athletic director there in, in Lubbock, He's like, you know, I think I think my guy Tim is loyal, but you know, I, I can tell you what, let's not find out. So, um, so here we go. So, and and look, he deserves it. The guy has been incredible. You've got uh, a program in Texas Tech that he's he's taken to the College World Series more often than not, literally more seasons than not. He has been in the College World Series since he's been there. And this is a team that rarely falls out of the top ten. So if there, if someone deserves a um, a lifetime contract, it's certainly Coach Tadlock. So uh, that's what's the developing at this point, and where A and M goes next. Uh, there's been rumors maybe they look to Knoxville. Um, there have been rumors that they look um, in other places, but I think uh, there are some there is some smoke out there as to where they're going to go. Um, so that. It's a program that I think has some potential. It doesn't have recently a great history, uh, but I think anytime you're in the SEC and you know you're in you're in Southeast Texas, I think there is a potential to do something there for A and M baseball. But uh, it's unknown at this point. And speaking of that baseball operation out of Lubbock, they're sitting right now in the latest D one baseball poll at number five, Texas Tech Red Raiders. What an amazing. Amazing job by Tim Tidelock. As you said, getting that lifetime contract. More coaching news, though, out of the Lone Star State. Rice, which has won a national championship in the last 20 years, they parted ways with head coach Matt Braga after three seasons there. How has Rice fallen off of the baseball diamond? Rice is, if people don't know, um, Rice University is a, is a small uh, private university in central Houston in the um, museum district of Houston. So right in the central central area of Houston, actually a, a kind of a, a pretty part of town. Um, and Rice has been 
I don't want to use the word. I don't want to be too strong, but Rice has been a a a, a baseball kind of a royalty or a powerhouse for a uh, very very long time uh, now. When I say Rice Baseball, uh, that essentially means Wayne Graham. Uh, that's what it means. Wayne Graham began his career in 1992 at Rice as the uh, the head coach there for Rice Baseball, and he has been. He was incredible. Um, they Coach Graham. Um, prior to going to Rice, he had gone to five junior college championships in Houston at San Jacinto College. He coached 27 different players to All-American status, and in 1995, they uh, they begin a run of 20 consecutive uh, NCAA tournament appearances, including seven College World Series appearances, which is unbelievable. That is, there is you would be hard pressed to find another program in the country that's done that over the last 20 years. It's it's amazing. Now, since Coach Graham retired. Um, it hasn't been, that has not been the, the case. It has gone uh, kind of headfirst uh, into the tank, uh, as to say. So uh, they have not been good. They've not made the, the, the postseason. They have not made any noise uh, and have not um, won their conference. So it, it, is a, it is a program that is, has an incredible history with baseball. And, you know, it just has not been the same without Coach Graham. And I would say, that has a lot to do with the greatness of, of Coach Wayne Graham. The guy was is amazing. And uh, in college baseball, the coaching is important everywhere. But in college baseball, the skipper, the guy who runs the show, recruits the players, uh, you know, creates lineups, works strategy, all kinds of things. It's just an incredible amount of things that a that a head baseball coach does. And uh, they really are probably the most, I would say, the most influential head coach in major college sports. So um, anyway, that's the story on Rice. Incredible history, uh, not recently, and I think they are ready to do something else. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're having to be forced to do something else. we got to go to a break here on the All Show. Matt Hermans, we appreciate you. Again, it's conference tournament time right now across the South. And then next week on so – actually, Sunday, I think it is – or no, it's Monday. They pushed it back to Memorial Day. On Monday on ESPN, they will announce all of the teams and where they'll be going off to college baseball's postseason. Again, that's kind of a holiday for you, right? I love it. I love it. This is the one, uh, the one tournament announcement um, that I that I will watch. <laughs> more, I love it more than the college football playoff bracket, huh? At, you know, at this point, um, it really has. I, I love college baseball. I think it's a it is a wonderful sport, and I enjoy it immensely. All right, Matt Hermans, he's our barrister. Thank you. We look forward to catching up with you after that thing gets revealed next week. I can't wait. All right. We'll have a quick look at what's on the pages of y'all.com when we come back. This is Talk with a Southern Accent. Well, that wraps up Hour 2 on today's Y'all Show. Go to y'all.com, the homepage of the South right now, and check out our Tricks of the Trade, John Allen, Jimmy Duke. They talk about fuses, gorilla hooks, and fans. Also go on there and catch up with all that's going on with country singer Paulina Jane. The interview we had last week on the Y'all Show, you can watch that right there. Plus, an article planning for your Memorial Day party. It's all on the homepage of the South, y'all.com. 
I'm John Rawl inviting you to stick around. We've got hour three headed your way after this on the Y'all Show. We're back for the culmination of this Tuesday Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl, the General of All Things Southern, on this, the show that covers everything Southern, representing 16 states of Dixie, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Missouri, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West by God, Virginia. We cover it all right here on Y'all. And on this third hour of the Tuesday, y'all, we're going to have it covered big time. We've got a look at accent on the southern accent of sports and more. This hour, we've got a southern accent on arts, courtesy of Kobe Bennett. He'll be filing that later this hour. Also, the best state park in every U.S. state, Travel and Leisure Magazine, has come out with that listing. And I'll walk through the 16 southern states that I just ran through and tell you about the best state park in every state. If you differ or want to throw in your own suggestion of the best state park in your state, we welcome that here, 803-816-1170. Go ahead and fire away right now and let me know what y'all think about your favorite state park. 803-816-1170. Text that my way, and I'll tell you what you think. Just tell me who you are and where you're texting us from when you send that to me. Also, this hour, we got to look at Southern sports. We'll get to including an update from the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover. Yes, we are y'all. We are powered by y'all.com, the homepage of the South. Let's get into what's going on here this hour. And from Hoover, Alabama, it's an early start, and it's an early start for the Florida Gator baseball team. Bottom of the first, the Gators knock one out of the ballpark. They've got a one nothing lead over the Batcats of the University of Kentucky in this early start in the SEC baseball tournament. Here on this Tuesday, you've got four different games taking place in the SEC baseball tournament. Kentucky and Florida is the first game, followed by a 2 Eastern, 1 o'clock Central start between the fan favorite there in Hoover, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They'll be taking on to the South Carolina Gamecocks and Coach Kingston that is, again, today starting at 1 Central Hoover time. The late afternoon game features the Georgia Bulldogs against the LSU Tigers. LSU not used to playing on the first day of the tournament. That's what they're having to do. This was not the best of years for the Tigers, and now they've got Georgia in a 5.30 Eastern, 4.30 Hugh Hoover and Baton Rouge time start. The final game on this Tuesday features the Auburn Tigers and the Mississippi Land Sharks. Mississippi comes into this rank number 12 in the land, but they ended up being <sighs> having to play on this first day because there's just such a competitive western side of the SEC. That game set for a 9 Eastern, 8 Central start. Auburn and Mississippi, the f- final game on this Tuesday. Now, we've got to brag on the final standings of the regular season in the SEC. Who saw this one coming? Did you realize who won the SEC East in college baseball this year? Congratulations. And I'm going to have to pull this up because we got to brag on this team when we're able to because this does not happen. <laughs> this does not happen very much at all. And we have seen quite a turnaround 
at this place. And this place I'm talking about is this place. Rocky Top. The Tennessee Vols, your SEC East champions in college baseball. 20 and 10 conference record. That's just better than Vanderbilt's 19 and 10. Way to go, Vols. All right, Vanderbilt just missed out at least winning this thing because I think in the final game they had against Kentucky, they lost that game on Saturday. Therefore, Tennessee gets the SEC East title. I guess they give titles out for college baseball's regular season. Tennessee just getting past in-state foe Vanderbilt for SEC East champions, and they don't have to play on this first day of the SEC tournament. They actually go into this ranked as the – or not ranked, seeded as the number two seed overall – Tennessee twenty and ten is their final mark in conference play. Vanderbilt ended nineteen and ten. I guess they got shortchanged a game. Maybe that's why Vanderbilt ended up one game short of possibly tying up with Tennessee. But hey, Tennessee, take them if you got them, and the Vols will take it. Florida seventeen and thirteen was their mark, and they're having to play on this early first game of Tuesday's SEC tournament. Gamecocks sixteen and fourteen was their conference mark. Georgia and Foley Field, 13-17 and 17 there. They did get a win in their final series against Mississippi this past weekend. Kentucky, the Batcats, 12-18. and 18, And then Missouri pulled up the rear and missed out on the SEC tournament. Mizzou, 8-22 and 22 in conference play. Not a good sign there in Como. Now to the SEC West, your number one team in the entire country, the Arkansas Razorbacks. They finished in conference play 22-8, and 42-10 overall. Congratulations to Coach Van Horn and the Hogs as they'll enjoy a nice day away from playing on Tuesday and get ready for their first game on Wednesday. The Mississippi State Bulldogs end up second in the SEC West with a 20-10 mark. Mississippi, 18-12. They got their series win at Georgia in the final regular season series. LSU is fourth in the SEC West, 13-17. Alabama ends up being 12-17 in SEC play. Auburn 10 and 20. And then, as we found out in our earlier conversation with Matt Herman's Texas A&M, 9 and 21, dead last in the West. And then they fired their coach there in Aggieland. And there'll be a new regime when 2022's college baseball season arrives. But that's what's going on. SEC baseball tournament this week and other tournaments around college baseball taking place. As I've said, go check them out if you have an opportunity to see these in your respective areas. Hoover, you got the SEC. In Durham, North Carolina, you got your ACC tournament taking place right now. If you go to the Southern Conference, Greenville, South Carolina's floor field has that, which is an exact duplicate of Fenway Park in Boston. They even have the big monster, and it's right there in Greenville, South Carolina, home of the Greenville Drive of what used to be the South Atlantic League, and now they completely messed up minor league baseball the big 12 is having their 21 baseball championship in oklahoma city big 12 baseball tournament you can go to big12sports.com learn about how you can get tickets to this from oklahoma's bricktown oklahoma city's bricktown ballpark check that out may 25th through the 30th so they're underway today in the big 12 
with their baseball championship. The OVC, they're back in a familiar place. They're in Jackson at the ballpark of Jackson in Jackson, Tennessee. And I was looking at their bracket. Only four teams in the OVC are in their conference tournament. So they're skipping out on the Tuesday and Wednesday play in the Ohio Valley Conference, and they're going right to the Final Four, if you will, for their conference tournament. And those four teams in the OVC Baseball Championship at the ballpark at Jackson, Jackson, Tennessee, include SEMO, Southeast Missouri, and Austin P. They have their first game on Thursday. That'll be 2 p.m. Central Time there in Madison County. Check that out, SEMO and the Govs and the Game 1 of the OVC Tournament. Then, in Game 2, this starts at 6, and you can see these games if you're not in Jackson. You can see these on ESPN+, Plus. by the way. Murray State and Moorhead State, a battle of Kentucky teams. And the number one seed, by the way, was SEMO going into the OVC Tournament. SEMO takes on number four seed, Austin P. Murray State, the Racers, and Moorhead State, the Eagles, getting together as the two and three seeds. Then on Friday, you got your winner's bracket and you got your losers squaring off. So everybody's going to play at least two games, and it's going to kind of be like a, a miniature version, or really it is the exact same version of what we have in these regionals that will be taking place the following weekend across college baseball. So you're going to kind of have that four-team regional go on at least in the Ohio Valley Conference here this week at the ballpark at Jackson when these four teams get together. SEMO, Southeast Missouri, the Red Hawk Indians. Then you've got Austin P, Murray State, Moorhead State. The championship of the OVC is scheduled for Saturday at high noon. And if the winner of a certain game wins that one, the team hadn't lost a game, if they win that one, then – they are the winners. If they lose, then they have to have a Game 7, and that Game 7 will be taking place at 4 p.m. Saturday. Then whoever wins that will be your OVC tournament champion and off to the NCAA tournament. You can get tickets and more. Just check it out there at the OVC for the 2021 Ohio Valley Conference Baseball Tournament, Jackson, Tennessee. That's just one of the conference tournaments that we can kind of simplify because they've only got four teams in this particular tournament going on in the OVC. More sports headlines from across the southeast here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And by the way, you can if you've got something related to your favorite baseball tournament and more, please let us know here, y'all, because we want to share that for some of the conferences I might not be telling you about, like the American or Conference USA. We've got a shift from one Tiger to another. T.J. Finley, who is from Ponchatoula, Louisiana, that is Tangipoa Parish on the North Shore, he is leaving LSU where he was a starting quarterback for a couple of games for the Bayou Bengals in 2020. And now he's announced that he's going to be not an LSU Tiger, but an Auburn Tiger. T.J. Finley, he'll be competing with Bo Nix to become the Auburn quarterback of 2021. And Bo Nix, who's been a fan favorite, he's the child of an Auburn legacy. And now he's got some competition with Finley stepping in to challenge the role there in the Brian Harkin era. It's a whole new ball game on the Plains. And so perhaps 
Finley thinks that with this new coaching staff in place for the SEC West powerhouse program, he'll have a chance to take over the starting role from Bo Nix. But an opportunity, nonetheless, he doesn't have to sit out as he actually has got a great opportunity awaiting. Finley announcing his decision through a video post on social media. He started five games in 2020 as a freshman, passing for 941 yards and five touchdowns. He did have five interceptions for Coach O's Bayou Bengals. Now he'll, as I said, have to compete with Knicks for the starting job. Knicks has started every game for Auburn his first two seasons under Gus Malzahn. But now Brian Harson is on patrol on the sidelines at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Other people on the Auburn roster for quarterback position include Grant Loy and freshman Demetrius Davis. They are all challenging Bo Nix for the quarterback of the Auburn Plainsman. But right now, T.J. Finley, the Louisiana native, leaving his native state to be an Auburn Tiger. We wish the young man all the best. A former Texas A&M receiver has his degree from Tamu, and now Cameron Buckley is leaving College Station. He's getting on the train there at Aggieland, and he's headed to Indiana, where he'll be a Hoosier. As the coach of the Hoosiers, Tom Allen, announcing in a release that Cam has caught a lot of footballs and made a lot of big-time plays in the SEC. He brings experience and leadership to the wide receivers room. We're excited about the playmaking ability he adds to our office offense. The Hoosiers begin their season at Iowa on September 4th, but now Cameron Buckley of Texas A&M of yesteryear now putting on the crimson and white of the Hoosiers and moving over from the SEC to the Big Ten for his football playing days. He's got that degree already, so congratulations to the six foot two, hundred and ninety native of Texas, who played in thirty nine games for Jimbo Fisher, making four starts along the way. He ended up catching a total of sixty two passes for eight hundred and seventy seven yards, caught four touchdowns in his career, but he missed all of twenty twenty with an injury, and now the Texas A and M receiver Cameron Buckley saying goodbye to A and M and hello, Bloomington, as he'll be a Hoosier in 2021. To the NFL, Julio Jones, in an interview with Shannon Sharp, Coastal Georgia's own, Savannah State's own, doing an interview with Julio Jones, Shannon Sharp, on Monday. And Jones, when asked about his future with the Atlanta Falcons, the former Alabama wideout, saying, I'm out of there. He said this on Shannon Sharp's show undisputed i said this in a telephone interview now julio jones has been the subject of trade talks after gm terry fontenot said atlanta would be taking calls about the former all pro receiver julio jones is now 32 years old and he has requested a trade from the falcons at the beginning of the offseason so more drama here not from aaron Rodgers, but this time from an atlanta falcon julio jones wants out of atlanta and He's damaged goods. The guy's 32 years old. And some people are saying that perhaps Atlanta won't say first-round pick in exchange for trading him. That might be a little bit more of an ask than what other teams are willing to do at this point. As I said, he's 32 years old. He's had problems. Julio Jones has had the injury bug. And he, quite honestly, I don't think he's performed quite as well recently as 
what you might expect of a all-pro type receiver. He's been outdone at the wide receiver position in the last few years, mostly by a bunch of rookies, people coming in from other SEC schools and doing quite well for teams like the Titans and the Seahawks and other wide receiver positions. I mean, good Lord, even the Buccaneers brought in a guy who was, I would say, more mature than Jones just from a playing standpoint, got them a Super Bowl championship. NBA update on the scores from Monday and what's on tap for the association here as they are continuing on with the round one games. And we saw some teams on Monday evening up their series and some teams extending their series. It was the Milwaukee Bucks winning game two against the Miami Heat on Monday. And so they now have a 2-0 lead. The Greek freak looking mighty good here. Is this the year Milwaukee ends up doing well enough to get to the NBA Finals? It looks like they're, especially after their game Saturday against Miami, where they had to go into overtime, but they did find, like you have to do in postseason play, did find enough moxie to get the win. And the Nuggets also winning on Monday, and they are able to advance and, and, and at least tie up that series. They have there in the Mile High City. And that is a quick look at what's going on across sports here on this Tuesday, y'all. When we come back after the break, we're going to have some fun. Are you a fan of visiting state parks? Well, so many state parks and parks everywhere over the last year have been running on empty. If they're even open, they've been on a limited staff. No, They've had limited staff and really have not had all the amenities you might expect. Well, Travel and Leisure has a new article out. The best state park in every U.S. state. We'll walk through the list of 16 southern states and see if you agree. And if you do, great. If you don't, and if you've got your own suggestion of your favorite state park in your native state, we want to hear from you. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all. More of the show covering everything southern is coming up after the break. our tent first we pitch our tent hi-ho and off we go first we pitch our tent hey who wants to help me get some wood i do let's all get some wood let's all get some wood hi-ho and off we go let's all get some wood well now we need an adult to light the fire i'll take care of that thanks dad Let's light the campfire now. Let's light the campfire now. Hi-ho, and off we go. Let's light the campfire uh-huh. now. Yeah, let's all go light a campfire, have a good time. Welcome back at y'all. Oh, it's Memorial Day weekend upon us. And if you have it planned to get out in the great outdoors, we're going to give you some great ideas now in this segment. We have courtesy of Travel and Leisure Magazine, the best state parks in every 
U.S. State. A lot of research went into this one. And we're going to walk through the list of 16 southern states and give you great ideas. Maybe if you're not in one of these states and you're not too far from another state's state park, you can go there. There's no, to my knowledge, rules that prohibit foreigners, if you will, from other states. If, if you're wanting to go, let's say, from Kentucky into Tennessee for a state park, I think, I think Tennessee will allow Kentuckians in. I think Texas will allow Oklahomans in, even though they don't like them on that certain Red River rivalry game day. Yeah, for, for the most part, you can go in and, and not have any problems. And I think they even might make more money when you come in from another state if you're going to be staying overnight. But thanks to, again, Travel and Leisure with this great article out about how you can go visit state parks and what are the best state parks in every state. Travelandleisure.com is the website And Evie Carrick has penned this article, and uh, she writes, Those who choose to travel are strongly encouraged to check local government restrictions, rules, and safety measures related to COVID-19 and take personal comfort levels and health conditions into consideration before departing. Well, thank you very much, Evie, for reminding us of that. National parks get all of the attention, according to her article, but there's a lot of great state parks, and so that's what Travel and Leisure is doing. The best state parks in every U.S. state is the name of this article. So let's walk through in alphabetical order, starting in the heart of Dixie. Gulf State Park, right there on the Alabama Gulf Coast. You'll have your sugar, shan- sugar sand shores where you can kayak, bike, do absolutely nothing. The white sandy beaches of Alabama's Gulf Coast right there on display at Gulf State Park in Alabama. And I need to actually pull up the address of Gulf State Gulf State Park because we don't want you going to the wrong portion of the Alabama Gulf Coast. You got Dolphin Island and then you got Gulf Shores and all that in that same area. Gulf State Park is located at Gulf Shores. 2015 State Park Road, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Let me pull up. If you're coming in from the west, you can get the ferry and not have to go all across Mobile Bay and down if you are trying to avoid a lengthy trip there. Of course, you got Gulf Shores and Orange Beach all right there in the same general area. And it is going to get pretty busy there this time of year. So if you haven't planned to go to this state park, you might want to definitely check out what availability they have before heading over and, and, and going down to the Gulf Shores area, checking out Gulf Shores. And then, like I said, you can catch a ferry boat over to Dolphin Island right there on Mobile Bay. And that's helpful if you're coming in from the west off of I-10, right when you cross I-10 heading East from Mississippi, just outside of Pascagoula, you can get off and, and head on down through Bayou La Battery. Got some good shrimps there. And and go on down into Dolphin Island, catch the ferry, if you will. And I think cars can go on that ferry, pretty sure of that. And over to Fort Morgan. And, and then not far from there, you'll find yourself in Gulf Shores where you got Gulf State Park. And it's a great option there on the Alabama Gulf Coast. And they even have the lodge at Gulf State Park, which is a Hilton Hotel. 
should be pretty affordable compared to maybe some of the other accommodations on the Alabama Gulf Coast, Orange Beach and Gulf Shores and more. But, yeah, Alabama with that not too much of a beach area, but they got enough. They got more than Mississippi (laughs) on the Gulf Coast for you to go and stay and enjoy the waves crashing in and have a great time at this great Alabama State Park. Gulf State Park is the name of it. Check it out if you get a chance. The next city or next state park in the South that we'll tell you about comes to us courtesy of the great state of Arkansas. Arkansas, they have listed here as the best state park travel and leisure. Devil's Den State Park. Wood and stone structures. Wood and stone structures dot the landscape at Devil's Den State Park. It's got all kinds of surprises according to the article. Got caverns and rock formations. You can hike through the forest there at Devil's Den State Park. You can ride your mountain bike, rent a boat, and fish at Lake Devil. Devil's Den State Park in the natural state. And I will, just like I did for Gulf Shores, because we're all about customer service here at the Y'all Show. Devil's Den State Park is located in the natural state. Let's see here. It's in the country. I'll tell you that. It is not far from Fayetteville. It is between Fort Smith and Fayetteville, just off of Interstate 49. So two hours northwest of Little Rock is where you'll find Devil's Den State Park. Got the Fossil Flats trailhead there in that area. And the Ozarks. This is that corner of Arkansas where you've got the Ozark Mountains starting to form up pretty big. And it's a great option for outdoors and adventure. Devil's Den State Park in Arkansas, northwest Arkansas to be specific. The next state park we'll tell you about comes to us courtesy of the Sunshine State. Oh, goodness, they're bringing on some Seminoles here, and I hope I don't butcher this. The Ishitekne Spring State Park in the Sunshine State says, explore a different side of Florida when you visit the swamps and springs of the state's interior. At this state park, you can kayak under lush green trees or spend the day tubing down the river, drink in hand at this Ikatukne State Park, Ikatukne Springs State Park in Florida. So it, it evidently is in the north end of the Sunshine State on the peninsula there. But again, let me help you out here. As you make your travel plans, I also need to tell you how to pronounce the darn name of this. They've got a campground there, all right there in Florida, near Lake City is where this This is. Right there, I guess, in the widest portion of Florida that stretch between the curve of Florida's Gulf Coast toward Jacksonville. It is between Lake City and Gainesville is where you'll find Ikatekne Springs State Park. Pretty centrally located, not far from either Interstate 10 or I-75 if you're making your travel plans. And this is some 45 minutes from the nearest beach. So this is not a beach destination in the Sunshine State that the Travel Leisure writer is telling you about. It's interior, and man, boy, does it look like a beautiful place to go. In Georgia, Toluda Gorge State Park. This state park surrounds a two-mile, thousand-foot-deep gorge that was formed by the Tallulah River, you can hike along the rim and peer down below or get a permit and hike to the gorge floor. 
They've got an iconic suspension bridge at Tallulah Gorge State Park. And I've heard of this park, and I think I know where it is. In fact, I think I used to live 20 minutes away from it and never went to check it out. Shame on me, right? I am pretty sure this is near Dahlonega and Dawsonville is where Tallulah Gorge State Park is. But let me pull up my handy cheat sheet here also known as Google Maps, and tell you exactly where Tallulah Gorge State Park is in Georgia. It is certainly in the north end of the state. Tallulah Falls. No, I'm wrong. Tallulah Falls is off of U.S. 23 in northeast Georgia, not all that far from Clayton, Georgia. It's between Clayton and Clarksville and Toccoa, that that area, northeast Georgia, Literally about three miles from the South Carolina border. Beautiful Long Creek, South Carolina. And the Chattooga River is where this is, where they filmed Deliverance, in case you're curious. And Tallulah Falls State Park. It's got hiking and camping and more. Not all that far from Atlanta, but probably an hour and a half drive. Beautiful area. Mountainous area. Not all that far from Highlands, North Carolina, is where this is located in northeast Georgia. Tallulah Falls. I apologize. I've not been there. I was thinking in the Dahlonega area, they've got some kind of tourist-type deal there. If I can pull it up here, I'll tell you where that was, what I was thinking. Or maybe I wasn't thinking (laughs) of what's in that area. I'm not seeing it right now. I apologize. Regardless, Traveling Leisure didn't identify that as the place in Georgia to go to. Up next... From Georgia, we go now to Kentucky and the state park in Kentucky that Travel and Leisure recommends. Cumberland Falls State Park, known for its namesake, Cumberland Falls. I didn't realize they have such a beautiful waterfall there in the Bluegrass State. But, yeah, it's one of the few places in the world that produces moon bows, also called white rainbows or lunar rainbows, before settling in to watch this phenomenon. You can hike through the forest or book a raft trip down the Cumberland River. Yeah, the same one that goes right through Nashville. And they're in the headwaters of it in Kentucky. The Cumberland Falls State Park in Kentucky. I'll get you the exact name of the community that this thing is in. But another wonderful spot, a great state park in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And this would be down not all that far from the Tennessee line. South of Corbin, Kentucky is where this, not far from Interstate 75, which connects Knoxville to Lexington, Kentucky. And you'll find there in that corner of Kentucky, Cumberland Falls Campground and Cumberland Falls State Park. As I said, not far from the, or right on the Tennessee, or rather the the Cumberland River, which is forming up in that area of Corbin and that portion of the Bluegrass State. Beautiful. Man, I didn't realize they had such a waterfall anywhere in the south like that. It's like a miniature Niagara Falls. How about Chico State Park, Louisiana? That is what Travel and Leisure identifies as the best state park in the Pelican State. Here you'll have bayou surrounded by Chico Lake, and that is stocked with bass, crappie, red ear sunfish, and bluegill. And you can also go hike on that 20-mile trail that is the circumference of the entire Chico State Park in the state of Louisiana. This is identified by Travel and Leisure as the best state park in Louisiana. And I'll pull up exactly where this is located. It is located in the Pelican State, not all that far from 
Alexandria. It is south of Alexandria on Interstate 49, about halfway between Alexandria and Lafayette, not far from Ville Platte. Chico State Park. Fishing and boating and more. A lot of cypress trees, it looks like there. You can hike, you can boat, you can fish. They even have an arbor, arboretum, you know, where birds hang out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the word is in Cajun. But, uh, yeah, this is actually on that famous dividing line of Louisiana. This determines whether you're Cajun or not. Bunky, Louisiana is the demarcation line in no man's land for Louisiana. If you're north of Bunky, you're not Cajun. If you're Bunky south, you're Cajun. And Chico is south of Bunky, not by about four miles. But, yeah, it's a state park in Louisiana, and it is the best state park in that state, according to Travel and Leisure. Up next is Maryland, Assateague State Park, and this is on Assateague Island, a barrier island off of Maryland, a one-of-a-kind destination best known for the wild horses of Assateague, Maryland. And you can see them often. You see them running down the sandy coast of Assateague State Park. It's right there in the Chesapeake Bay. Beautiful horses, beautiful place. I got to go there, and I can't drive there. This is a barrier island, but they got a state park. Way to go, Maryland, for having the Assateague State Park in that state well worth a visit if you're able to in mississippi a place i have been to a place i have had a meal and it was well before i ever lived in mississippi it was actually on a little miniature vacation to tishmingo state park and that's in tishmingo county the very northeast county in the state of mississippi right there where woodall mountain is the highest mountain in the state of mississippi this is the base of the appalachian mountains in mississippi and they've got all kind of archaeological excavations going on there, sandstone outcroppings and more. Tishmingo State Park, just right in the middle of the Natchez Trace, not all that far from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and Savannah, Tennessee. Tishmingo State Park, great option. Missouri Johnson Shut-Ins State Park, what a name. The terrain in Johnson Shut-In State Park, stunning and surprising according to Travel and Leisure. You'll have a bunch of rocky wells that form shallow pools, perfect for swimming, in addition to great single-track trails at Johnson's Shut-Ins State Park. we got to tell you how in the world you come up with a name like Johnson's Shut-Ins. I'll tell you that in a second. But, yeah, in Missouri, a little bit of a haul for some of you out there. You can go check this out. And how in the world did they get this name? I'll tell you. First of all, Johnson's Shut-In State Park has over 8,700 acres in Reynolds County, Missouri. That's where you'll find the East Fork of the Black River. And the term shut-in refers to a place where the river's breadth is limited by hard rock that is resistant to erosion. And these shut-ins, the river cascades over and around smooth, worn rock, creating a natural water park that is used by park visitors when water levels are not dangerously high. And this is not all that far from the Missouri Boot Hill. This is, as I said, in Reynolds County, Missouri. That is the county that you'll see the county seat is Centerville. The largest city is Ellington, Missouri. In the Show Me State, Johnson's Shut-In State Park. Looks like a great place to go put on your bathing suit and hang out for a few hours. Or, if you're lucky, a few days. Now to the state of North Carolina. North Carolina's best state park, according to Travel and Leisure, Chimney Rock State Park. And this is near Asheville. It's a 315-foot 
monolith of granite named Chimney Rock that it kind of protrudes from this. And this Chimney Rock State Park is a big draw, always has been. It's got a 404-foot waterfall there, and you can see the Blue Ridge Mountains from right there at Chimney Rock State Park. Really, really great place there. Not all that far from Asheville, North Carolina. Oklahoma, Lake Murray State Park, and that is Lake Murray, Oklahoma. And it's got beaches, campgrounds, and more. even has a golf course, Lake Murray State Park. South Carolina, Jones Gap State Park. Yeah, more waterfalls. Jones Gap has towering columns of water and is beloved for its huge variety of water of wildflowers. Jones Gap State Park, and they got me stumped. I don't like being stumped. I don't know where this is. It's obviously in the upstate. But where is Jones Gap State Park? Good old JGSP. It will be found in the northwest corner, not far from Caesar's Head, which is the, I think, the tallest mountain in South Carolina. It is a stone's throw, and I mean a stone's throw from the North Carolina state line. You might as well be from North Carolina if you're going to this one because it's way out of the way for most South Carolinians. Again, not far from Caesar's Head, but it's not far from Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. Same I think that is Oconee County, South Carolina. I think I'm right on that. And uh, you have that area there of the mountain ranges dividing North and South Carolina. And there you'll find Jones Gap State Park, trout fishing, wilderness hiking, and waterfalls all there. Almost in North Carolina, but this is technically in South Carolina. And Travel and Leisure says, hey, South Carolina, this is your best state park. Now to the great state of Texas. Texas's best state park, according to Travel and Leisure, is Palo Duro Canyon State Park. The second largest canyon in America is found on the Texas Panhandle, and the Palo Duro Canyon State Park got hiking, biking, and horseback riding. It looks just like the Grand Canyon. I had no idea this was not only in Texas. I had no idea this would have been in the Panhandle, Palo Duro Canyon State Park in Texas. Check it out. If you can't quite make it on Interstate 40 all the way out to the Grand Canyon, you can get lazy and just hang out in Panhandle and send pictures back to Mama and say, look, I made it to the canyon. But in this case, it ain't the Grand Canyon. It's the second biggest canyon in America, Palo Duro. That's two words, P-A-L-O-D-U-R-O, Palo Duro Canyon State Park in the Texas Panhandle. Up next, we have from the state of Tennessee. Have I covered Tennessee? No. Tennessee, Justin P. Wilson, Cumberland Trail State Park. And this is atop the eastern Cumberland Mountains, providing an access to stunning waterfalls, vistas, and dizzying gorges. I know where this is going to be, Justin P. Wilson, Cumberland Trail State Park. It's going to be in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, because there's an area of Tennessee, and we love Tennessee. But there are some areas, especially north of Cookville, that are very remote and not many people go to these areas. That's where you'll find Cumberland Trail State Park in the Volunteer State. More waterfalls. This article's heavy on waterfall options. Travel and Leisure has it. But there's a, there's actually a Cumberland Trail, sort of like the 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 uh, Appalachian Trail. I didn't realize they have this Cumberland Trail 
in Tennessee, and it looks like that's where this is. Although, let me double-check because I'm seeing something here on my initial search that this thing might be near Chattanooga, and I don't want to – I don't want to send you out to the wrong portion of Tennessee if I can. It uh, is a state park, and its location is Carryville, Tennessee. C-A-R-Y-V-I-L-L. And is this near Cookville? No, it's actually north, due north of Knoxville. Okay. Still kind of in a very remote portion. Between Knoxville and the Kentucky line is where you'll find this Cumberland Trail State Park, not all that far from Pikeville, Tennessee, that is. And that's a Tennessee State Park, according to this article. Y'all need to check out. All right, let's kind of wind things up with the Virginias in the Commonwealth of Virginia, the Grayson Highlands State Park. And it's part of the Jefferson National Forest near the Mount Rogers National Recreation Area. Beautiful scenes there in the mountainous portion of the Commonwealth of Virginia, Grayson Highlands State Park. And I'll pull up our friendly map here, tell you where you can chart your course to Grayson Highlands State Park in the Commonwealth of Virginia, known for bouldering, scenic hiking, horse trails, and has a resident herd of wild ponies in Virginia at the Grayson Highlands State Park. And this is right on the North Carolina border, not all that far from Bristol, Virginia, but maybe an hour east of Virginia near Mouth of Wilson. What a name for a town. Mouth of Wilson, Virginia is where you'll find this part between Mouth of Wilson and Mount Rogers, right on that North Carolina line of Virginia, sort of the southwest corner. Grayson Highlands, State Park, And lastly, from the mountain state of West Virginia, Blackwater Falls State Park, the best state park in West Virginia, according to Travel and Leisure magazine. Blackwater Falls, water flowing down the Blackwater River. It really does look black, according to the author of this. And maybe it's an amber-colored water that you're looking at, but lots of biking, fishing, and hiking if you make your way to the mountain state. You can check out this option in this mountain state that it is, West Virginia, Blackwater Falls. And this would be southeast of Morgantown where this is. It's not all that far from the headwaters of the Potomac River, right where Maryland and West Virginia kind of start out together. Nearest town would be... Davis, West Virginia, if you're trying to find it on a map. A lot of these state parks are in very remote places, so you, you might want to make sure if you got to do some computer work before heading off to your state park listed here, according to Travel and Leisure, that you have your work done in advance because the boss won't care if you don't get your work done because you have the excuse, well, I went to this Travel and Leisure magazine, they, they, TravelandLeisure.com. They had this article, and this guy named John was talking about it on the Y'all Show, the best state park in every U.S. state. And Well, I didn't know they were going to not have internet, and I couldn't get my, my paperwork done, sir or ma'am. Evie Carrick, again, writing this article, TravelandLeisure.com. You can go check it out for yourself. And, hey, if you've got a better suggestion of some state parks, This, again, did not look at national parks, only featuring the state parks. We appreciate this article. Hopefully that will help you and help you as you get ready to head off to maybe one of these state parks for your summer vacation. The Y'all Show continues after this break. Stay tuned. We're going to start closing things down 
We'll have Kobe Kobe Bennett filing a Southern report, a Southern accent report on the arts. That is up next. Southern accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from Yell.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. Knoxville-based movie theater chain Regal Cinemas is proud to open their doors again. After the opening of their flagship theater, Pinnacle Turkey Creek, on April 2nd, the rest of the chain followed last weekend. Regal's just one of many theater chains across the nation to open their doors to moviegoers again. While I believe it has to be said that there is something to streaming a flick on a decent TV with the folks, nothing compares to the surround sound in-person experience the movie theater provides for the average film fanatic. Some films to look forward to include pictures that were delayed due to the pandemic, such as Black Widow, A Quiet Place Part 2, Top Gun Maverick, and The Suicide Squad. So go back to your local theaters and enjoy films the way the studios intended for them to be enjoyed before the world stood still. Entertainment headlines and more at y'all.com. And thank you, Kobe Bennett, with that southern accent on the arts. We will have a quick break here on y'all. When we come right back, we will wrap things up here on a Tuesday. This is Talk with a Southern Accent. Thank y'all for being a part of this Tuesday Y'all Show. Wrapping things up now. 803-816-1170. You can call that number. You can text that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week with your feedback on what's going on across the South. Man, it's been a real pleasure here on this Tuesday edition. We got three more days. If you thought this Tuesday show was good, man, we got three more days of the fun coming your way. And you're not going to believe what all we got coming your way on Wednesday. Author Jim Leach will be dropping by. He's got a brand new book out, Murder's a Tough Business. Leach is a retired Tennessee Bureau of Investigations investigator, and he's going to be on to talk about Murder's a Tough Business. He chronicles 22 cases that he's kind of worked on throughout the years and known about. And Jim Leach will be on a great conversation coming on the Wednesday Y'all Show as we Love to talk books and more. Jonathan Lifeite also dropping by on the Wednesday Y'all Show to talk about the Atlantic Coast Conference. It has its conference tournament going on this week, just like the SEC is having its conference baseball tournament. So Jonathan Lifeite with all things ACC, Jim Leach on the Wednesday Y'all Show. On the Thursday Y'all Show, we got a special guest coming in to talk SEC sports, Joe Holloway. And Joe is with WNWS Radio, and he'll be driving by to talk about SEC football, maybe a little SEC baseball talk coming out of Monsieur Holloway on our Thursday Y'all Show. We also have art, uh, we have a great article with the Moe's Original Barbecue. They've got 52 locations across the southeast, and we've got one of their executives dropping by, Hunter Whitlock, He's one of the operators of Moe's Original Barbecue, and he's got something to talk about, his barbecue that's available across the Southland and more. All that is on the Thursday Y'all Show, and we'll wrap things up Friday with talk with a Southern accent. Thank you all again for tuning in on great stations across the Southeast. We'll see you Wednesday. Wednesday.